it's me, Blue. Welcome or welcome back to my anime. That was real to my anime. To my anime. What are we? To be in me anime. Oi, banana. Is this is this your anime? <laughs> that was a really aggressive. That was a really aggressive intro. Um, yeah, that that was. I'm sorry. I'll I'll turn it down a little bit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, anyway, I'm Blue. Did I say that? No, I didn't. I'm Blue. That- you did say that. You've introduced yourself twice. Oh, well, I'm blue, and <laughs> and I am here with the voice that you've already heard. My supercalifragic expialidocious, that's not correct, right? Supercalifragilistic expialidocious host, co-host, what's your name? Who are you? <laughs> what's going on with me? Hi, I'm Brad, and Clue over here is having a really hard time. Uh, just for context, I've had a migraine all day, and like two hours ago is when it finally eased off. So now mm-hmm. I'm in that like drunken after migraine phase. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, so what you're telling me is, is this going to be fun? This is going to be a time. I don't doubt it. Yata! Yata! Anyway, how are you? I... Uh, oh, that's a noise. Yeah, it's... <laughs> uh, I feel like I can't catch a break ever since I've been back. I feel like I've started off every one of these podcasts since I've moved back home bitching about something. Whether it be my audio or my PC screwing up. And then now last week and this week, I'm dealing with the absolute worst case of poison ivy I've ever had. That's fun. I mean... If you can't bitch about something, then what's life for, right? Huh? Mm, I mean, you right? Question mark? <laughs> um, my whole life is a question mark right now. <laughs> I I feel that. I feel that in the deepest depths of my soul. However, this is this is new Brad, though, because new glasses. Who dis? Who dis? New glasses. New yeah. Glasses. It's the first time I've worn glasses since... I think my junior year of high school, so it's been about seven years ah. since I switched to contacts. And so now, yeah, I have glasses. I'm not sure how I feel about them. I feel like they suit me better than just wearing my contacts. Mm-hmm. But then again, I don't know. I don't know. Glasses are fun. I am also a glasses wearer. Sometimes I should be a more frequent glasses wearer. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I like wearing them. I mean, the thing about me is that because I'm wearing reading glasses, I don't have to wear them all the time. Um, I don't know. I enjoy the fact that I can just throw on a pair of glasses and have that, like, I am wearing glasses look. What am I talking about? You know, I, I don't I don't know anymore. Yeah. Yeah, so how are you? <laughs> I think you can all tell how I am a little bit right now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I uh, am. <laughs> I, I'm living in a fog right now. Uh, I am. I'm fully brain fogged. Um, yeah, I mean, stream has been going well. I've been enjoying streaming. Um, I've been doing some more art projects, which have been fun. Um, and yeah. <laughs> like I don't know, <laughs> nothing super duper exciting has been happening for me um, recently. Just you know, 
the way that it is. Life is the the way that it is. Just normal life. Life is slowly reverting back to normal. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I have, uh, I mean, the Japan trip is still very much up in the air, big question mark. Um, but everyone is saying that Japan is supposed to open up for August. And I'm going for the tail end of July. And for the majority of my trip is going to be in early August. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, at the end of the day, I really, 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 really want to go. And yeah, I'm absolutely thinking about safety, not just mine, but obviously of everyone that I'm going to be interacting with while I'm there. I know that I can self-quarantine while I'm here. But also, it's just like this, it's such a complicated thought process because I'm like, well, would it be better for me to just stay at home and cancel the trip and postpone it? Or... Should we start now opening back up again? Because at some point we just have to return to normalcy. And this is like not for another month now, you know, like not for like I've got a a whole month and a half, two months before I'm going. So like, yeah, two months before I'm going. Like, I don't know. It's just because I have to do it in advance. It's like stressful (laughs) because like I don't I don't know if I should cancel it now and just like just move it or if it's like in two months time what's the world gonna look like because you like recently we have not been able to predict what tomorrow looks like let alone two months in advance Mm -hmm. and i'm like well could there be a a huge other like wave of it come through in two months and it's just completely impossible to go and then i lose all of the money that i've invested into this trip or is it supposed like are we just supposed to open up you know it's so it's just like a lot Mm -hmm. (laughs) i've been kind of stressing over that but other than that like life is like normal and fine well on that note though which i was going to save this for the actual news portion of this however since it's actually topical at Mm -hmm. this moment so as of monday japan has officially lifted its uh state of emergency nationwide Mm -hmm. yeah and i'm really pleased about that um, I do know that, like, all festivals that were going to happen this summer have already been cancelled. Ah, oh, no Hanabi. I know, I know. I was going to go catch um, a couple festivals while I was there. And those are not happening. Um, and I do know, because, like, I wanted to go see some shows and tea ceremonies and things like that while I was there. Um, and those have all been cancelled all through July. And for the majority of places that I've seen, it's we're waiting on August to see. Mm-hmm. So I think the first few days of my trip, if I do go, are just going to be me going to places that don't close, um, like shrines or um, checking out maybe like Akihabara because the shops haven't closed. So I can go there and check out the gaming district and like more places in Tokyo. And then so I'm I'm kind of leaving a lot of the planning for the trip kind of last minute because I'm like, I just don't know what's going to be open when I get there. Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, so I think a lot of it is just going to be last minute. But on the bright side, ramen, ramen, and more ramen. Ramen, ramen, and ramen. Yep, (laughs) that's true. (laughs) So there's that to look forward to. There is, even though I'll be going in the summer, so I'm not sure how hot ramen will do. But apparently you're supposed to sweat out the heat, that's what they say. Mm. Go eat something real spicy, and then you'll feel better about the heat. I mean, maybe? I don't know. I maybe. eat spicy shit all year round, so I guess it doesn't bother me one way or the other. I I have an okay spice tolerance. Who are you again? Why Why are we <laughs> friends? 
<laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna say I like I'm not gonna say I have zero spice tolerance because I absolutely do have a spice tolerance. Um, but I'm also not gonna claim to be able to handle handle crazy spicy stuff because I can't. Like, if I'm gonna get a salsa, it's gonna be like a medium heat. Um, and I'm I can handle that fine. Um if yeah, I'm I don't know. I'm I'm not a vindaloo kind of girl. <laughs> Like, <laughs> it's funny because there's a taco restaurant next to the store that I'm working at now. And so mm-hmm. I'll go down there to get some tacos. And every time she's like, you want salsa? And I'll be like, yes. And then she points at like the deepest red one. And she's like, you want this one? And I just look at her and like raise my eyebrow. And I'm like, fuego, <laughs> which means hot. And then she just gets this really like sly grin on her face and just nods. So I'm like. See, <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, no. When I uh, I spent some time um, in in Central America, um, and I could handle like the food fine. But if somebody was like, "This was hot," then I'd I'd be like, "Okay, I need to brace myself a little bit," you know? Because <laughs> um, like I'm not gonna like I I can handle like if if I go to somebody's family home or something and they serve something and they're like, "Okay, it's kind of hot," like I'm normally fine. If I go to an Indian's family home and they say it's hot, I'm not going to be fine. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So, essentially, should we ever join together and go get dinner, if I ever tell you something is hot, you better run. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no Carolina Reapers um, or Ghost Peppers or anything like that. Look, okay, I use, <laughs> I use hot sauce that's made out of pure uh, Carolina Reaper extract to spice my ramen broth Mm. because one drop is enough to spice a whole five gallon pot of Mm. broth and make it spicy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, Maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't see what the problem is here. Oh, geez. Like, okay. I like spicy food, but I'm not like I don't like spicy food. If you know what I mean, like I'm, I'm just giving you shit at this point. Uh, my brother's way worse. My brother thinks that pepper is spicy. What? <laughs> yeah, my brother's real bad. He's got a cat's tongue, so anything that's like temperature hot or like ever so slightly spicy hot, he finds very very hot. Um, yeah, so he, he does not, he's a white bread kind of boy. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, he's, he's not like that. My dad can handle a fair amount of spice, but he's like me in the fact that our bodies react before we react. So like, I'll get hiccups and a runny nose really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I'm fine, like it, it, like my tongue and my mouth is fine and I'm enjoying it and my stomach is fine. Like I handle it fine, but like, it'll show up in like my sinuses and I'll get hiccups. But like, yeah, if I eat, if I eat a spicy, if I eat like a medium salsa, then chances are I'll just get a bit of a runny nose. If I eat a hot salsa, I'm definitely getting hiccups. Yeah, and I tend to be fine. <laughs> but like, British people love Indian food. This isn't a secret. The national dish of England is tikka masala. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we love our Indian food. Um, so we have um, culturally snavelled. <laughs> is that a way to put it? Um, in the hist- in the history books, we've culturally snavelled, um, stolen uh, quite a few things. Um, one of them being 
Indian food, but there are a lot of Indian people that live in the UK that have fantastic restaurants with fantastic food. Um, and so I was kind of raised on Indian food more than on like South American food for level of spice, mm. which it's, yeah, so it's it, like different vibes of spice. So I can handle hotter Indian food than I can handle South American food. South American food, I'm probably weaker at handling than Indian because I'm just not used to it, you know? Well, it's odd too because Indian is actually a higher level of spice than mm. South American. Mm-hmm. So. It's weird that you can handle Indian-style food better than South American, even though Indian-style food is hotter. Yeah. Well, we have it, like, for dinner at least once a week in my household, you know? Um, so I'm very, very used to Indian food, whereas, like, having burritos or any kind of, like, South American food is a lot rarer in in my house. I mean, and if we do have it, it's a lot more, like pre-packaged stuff which i know is so much less authentic whereas with indian food we're a lot more likely to cook it from scratch because we're more accustomed to it when we're used to it right Mm -hmm. like my mum found a new onion bhaji recipe i'm excited to try that anyway where where are how do we get here um tacos tacos (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah um News. That's what we need to do next. News? News. News? What news? News? No news. News. No news? Nah. Actually, four pieces of news. Well, three pieces of news since you made me spoil one of them. (laughs) I'm so mean. Baka. (laughs) Baka. So, first piece of news. So, Mm -hmm. remember ten months ago, whenever that dude set fire to the Kyoto Animation Studio? Mm, Yeah, 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 yeah. As of today, he has officially been arrested. Oh, okay. So after all of that went down, he had to be sent to rehab. Oh, uh, okay. And so today he was officially released from rehab so they could actually take him into custody. Okay. So that okay. was like, I found that interesting. So the trial's only just starting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even though he's just arrested today, I'm not sure how Japan's legal system is, but I know here, Mm -hmm. like, if he were just arrested today for especially what he committed, he probably wouldn't be going to actual trial for about another month or two, at least, because then Mm -hmm. they would start putting the case together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I'm not sure about Japan, but uh, in America, they they wouldn't have sent him to rehab, right? He would have just been straight arrested. Oh, yeah. He would have been straight arrested. And then they would have put him through some sort of rehabilitation. In prison. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In prison program. So he would give words. He would have sat in jail until he went to trial. And then from there, that would determine whether he went to prison or anything else along those lines. Right. Interesting. I'm very interested in this case because I want to know how he's going to plead. Because obviously he's guilty. But like, um, are they going to try and go for like a... Uh, insanity plea or something? Well, considering I think he went through like a mental rehabilitation program, I almost wouldn't doubt it if they tried to go for an insanity plea. Mm -hmm. However, if they released him from rehab, that would also make me think like there's no way that they could actually do the insanity plea if they've actually released him from, you know, a psych ward or however you want to look at it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then, I mean, for instance, if he's like, uh, I don't know the case very well, but for instance, if he was schizophrenic and he had a schizophrenic um, attack, I'm not sure what they're called, yeah, an attack, I guess, he might only have one his entire life. Like, he might just have one, and as long as he's medicated, he'd be fine. So it could have just been 
the trial period for while he was on the medications, getting used to it, making sure he was managing them fine, and then he's safe to release into society, you know? See, I... I have no clue. This would be something that... Yeah. Actually, you know what? Homework for the next podcast. We do research into this and then we come back into it. Yeah, I'm very interested. Yeah, because I'm really interested too. I remember when it happened and I was absolutely heartbroken because Kyoto does some of the most visually stunning anime that Mm -hmm. you'll ever see. Like Violet Mm -hmm. Evergarden and Sound Euphonium and anime like that. Like they are all just stunning anime. Mm Mm-hmm. And Violet Evergarden is in my top five. Mm -hmm. So to have something like this happen, like, I was absolutely devastated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this case definitely holds, like, near and dear to my heart. So I'm definitely going to keep a close eye on it as it unfolds. And I definitely want to do more research before we go into the next podcast just to kind of have a leg to stand on to actually discuss it. Yeah, no, I'm very, very curious uh, about how that's going to work, and the Japanese legal system in general, because Japan tends to be quite far up in the forefront of, like, technology. Uh, I'm not sure how they are in... I mean, in social standings, they tend to be quite, like, far up and quick to jump on things as well. But the comparison between, like, Sweden and the UK and Canada and America and Australia is interesting. And then throwing in a country... uh, Throwing in Japan as well, like, I'm not sure... Like, you know, like, one country's always the first one to do things, and, like, I'm not sure where Japan is in the ranks of law, mm-hmm. and whether or not they're a real innovator, or if they're kind of a little bit slower, like, for instance, England is a little bit slower to catch up with those things. I don't know. Yeah, we definitely have homework going into the next yeah, episode. Definitely. Next piece of news. So, the Konosuba film that came out had its own manga adaptation, mm-hmm. and its sequel adaptation its manga is going to officially end in june oh okay i don't know if they're gonna make another film i don't know if all that information got to the film studio beforehand so they could actually see how it was all gonna go to where they could make the film i don't know all i know is i adored that film that film was absolutely fucking hilarious Mm mm-hmm yeah, I have no clue. But with that set to end in June, I'm kind of curious how that's going to go on. But also, I'm ready for more Konosuba. The first two seasons were great. <laughs> we need more. Give me more. more. Please, give me more. More. You want some more? Please, sir. Can I have some more? <laughs> yes, please. I will, I will take more. <laughs> I will take more. More. Have you seen Oliver Twist? Or, like, read the book? Negative. No, it's... Charles Dickens, if you didn't know. Mm, I did not know. No, no. It's uh, uh, also known as The Orphan Boy. Very, very old literature um, that is often used in British film and TV. Like, I think the BBC has done, like, 17 different adaptations of it. And I think it's always shown at Christmas. So, like, I'm I'm fairly certain I've seen... I, I think they did a TV series of it when I was little. But yeah, it's just about a boy named Oliver, who's an orphan boy, and his struggles through life back in the time of Dickens. And, uh, yeah. See, I like. I feel like I've seen, like, what you're talking about, like, personified, I guess, in something. So that's why, like, I'm familiar with what you were carrying on about, but I have, like, I've never seen anything about it or anything along those lines. 
sidetrack. That makes me curious because I know there's a lot of manga adaptations of traditional classic uh, of British literature, like um, Pride and Prejudice, and um, uh, I think they did Wuthering Heights as well. I've seen a couple of them. It makes me curious if they've done Oliver Twist. Mmm. More homework going into the next episode. Now I'm kind of curious if they ever will do one. Well, it's a good story, and it's been used a lot in in British media. I mean, there are parts of it that are old fashioned, mm-hmm. but that's just because it's a really old story. It's classic, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's not a very long book. It's just difficult to read. Interesting. So on that note, on stuff like that being adapted into manga. So Walker brought something to my attention, and I actually meant to look it up before going into this because I kind of didn't want to bring it up without looking it up. However. He was asking me if there were any anime based off like old Western type like situations. Mm. And I'm like, I think that whole situation was more American. So I don't think so. Uh... But he's like, I was in the mood to watch a cowboy anime. And I was like, "Mm, I don't know if that exists. Cowboy Bebop, but like. Well, he was he was asking me about that, and I was like, "Nah, fam, that's." I realize it's got cowboy in the name, but that's not all western. I, I hate to break it to you. I'm gonna Google this because I'm curious. Because something is there's something in my head that's western anime, old western anime. I suppose I've been old western anime. So, so the only one that looks like it might even remotely be western is Gun Frontier. Plot summary. It is a harsh and barren wasteland where the weak aren't allowed to dream. It is also a sacred land for true men, for there are no place a man can feel more alive. This is the Gun Frontier. Sea pirate Captain Harlock and the errant samurai (laughs) Toshiro arrive in the United States on a western frontier. On, uh, On the western frontier. Along with the mysterious woman they meet along the way, the two friends challenge sex rings, bandits, and corrupt sheriffs. Uh, they are looking. They are searching for a lost clan of Japanese immigrants, and they will tear Gun Frontier from end to end until they find it. You see, I like that, but I feel like the description that I got, I like more. What did you get? Gun Frontier reimagines the characters of Leiji Matsumoto's popular space opera series as survivors on the frontier in America's West. Space Captain Harlock is instead just a regular sea captain that gave up his boat for pistols to follow Tochiro Oyama, a Japanese immigrant whose entire town was wiped out. Together, the two search for human remains of the town's residents. Their journey brings them into contact with plenty of undesirable types. And so they find themselves righting wrongs across the Old West. Honestly, we might need to review this for next week. <laughs> uh, I'm honestly curious now. Like, I'm, I'm down. Is Gun Frontier our next, our next podcast? Because this, <laughs> this looks legit like a load of fun. Uh, you know what? I'm down. So I guess we're covering Gun Frontier next week. Gun Frontier next week. I am. I'm so down. I'm so down too. Let's. Let's go with it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so there we go. That is all of the news. <laughs> nope, that is not all no? of the news. I thought there was lots of news. I saved the best fucking piece of news for last. 
Oh, what's the best news? Makoto Shinkai's latest film, Weathering With You, officially has a release date Ah! in North America. September 15th. Okay. You already know what we're covering on September 15th. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That is predestined, set in stone, not being changed. changed. Because, yeah, that's going to be covered. No ifs, ands, or buts. And also, that means it comes out the day before we record. So, therefore... We have no excuse not to watch it. Mm. I saw this film in theaters and I loved it. I remember. Yeah, I remember telling you about it because afterwards I think I was messaging you like, oh my God, it's so good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Now, in my opinion, it's not as good as your name, but I'd give it probably a nine. Oh, okay. So it was like, overall, it was really good. I'm curious to see how I'm actually going to review it after like actually having to sit down and watch it critically. Yeah, and watching it at home makes all the difference. But it's like, it's a phenomenal story. Mm-hmm. So just to kind of give a preface on it, it's based in the same universe as your name. There are little, and I mentioned this in your name, but Shinkai spreads little Easter eggs in all of his films from prior stuff. Mm-hmm. And in fact, and this is just to give you a little bit of a heads up beforehand because it's not a spoiler, mm-hmm. but Taki and Mitsuha are actually in this film. Oh, okay. It's their adult versions of themselves, but both of them are in the film. So that gives you kind of something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. However, so essentially, one of the main characters, the female main character, she is a sunshine girl. So she has the ability to change the weather at will. Oh, okay, cool. Like Storm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's essentially it. And it's about her and the boy main character, like, starting a business called the Sunshine Girl Business. And they, like, run around, change the weather for people that are, like, doing photo shoots or sports day, stuff like that. That's a really, like, <laughs> that's probably not a really good description, but, oh, it's such a good film. No, I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, I had to save the best piece of news for last because I have been, like, chomping at the bit to finally get a release date. And mm-hmm. the fact that I saw that, I was like, Yata! Vanity have a release date. So, yeah, now that is actually all I had for news because it hasn't been that long since we recorded the last episode. No, no, we recorded late last week. I was going through the stuff and I was looking at the news articles and I was like, wait, some of this shit looks real familiar. And then I came across the... News article that I talked about last week of Demon Slayer being in the top two manga in Japan. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wait. Wait. A- am I looking at, like, <laughs> last weekend shit? And, yeah, that was it. So I was like, oh, well, news is news is going to be real limited this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't seen much on Instagram or anything either. I think people are just kind of recovering from the state of emergency being lifted and things just slowly starting to go back to normal now. So I feel like everyone's just trying to get back to their routines again. And it means that it's been kind of slow news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all I have for the news. So are you ready? I'm to, ready. Are you, are you ready I'm to ready. discuss Kimetsu no Yaiba? Hi. So background information on the show. Ooh. There's a manga. Who would have guessed? Who would have guessed? Nobody would have su- suspected that there was a manga. Nobody would have expected Ash to show up on this episode either. Nobody Yet would have expected the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are we playing Cards Against Humanity live on podcast? <laughs> it's a... It's a uh, yeah, okay, never mind. Let's, yeah, uh, let's go into the background. I'm excited to get into this week's stuff. <laughs> Are you? Yes, I am. I'm excited. <laughs> so, uh, as you can tell, Blue's not going to pull the same shit 
with me that I pulled with her. I tried so hard to keep my emotions intact, but that doesn't work with me. But you could not. Like, literally, she was messaging me something about the... Actually, you know what? I'm going to go hunt this down just because, like, I cackled whenever you said it to me the first time. I was like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Like, I'm not like Brad. Like, Brad's so good at being able to, like, restrain himself from, like, spilling his emotions. For me, like, as soon as I'm excited about something, I'm just like, I have to tell everybody, please wait for a second while I explode all, like, all of these feelings everywhere, and then I'm good. So I can't, like, do the thing where I'm like, you'll never know if I liked it or not until I get to the end of the review. Well, here's the thing, like, you know if I get really excited about something, because I will be sent, like, I will message you the entire time. Yeah. And here's the thing, this is how you know I care, because I watch on my phone, and I text you on my phone, so I have to pause what I'm watching to message you things that I'm really excited about. However, with Big Windup, I I had to just give you a hard time. Oh, it was so mean, and I couldn't, I could not do it this week. I was like, because like... I get a lot of my mess- my emotions down in my notes. I think you guys have kind of figured that out by now with the crazy shit that I write down when I'm taking the notes for the for the for the podcast. Um, so I get a lot of my emotions out when I'm writing them down. So I don't often text Brad like he texts me about shows. But this week, this week I was I was having to send him the occasional text of just being like, dude. <laughs> So, literally, I got just finished episode seven. Bloody Puddle got fudged up. <laughs> and I was like, yep, yep, she's enjoying it. She can't hide it. No, I can't hide it. Uh, yeah, Bloody Puddle got fucked up. <laughs> so, this is actually a shonen jump. Mm-hmm. And although, like, this is not your stereotypical, like, shonen anime. No. Because this dude, his backstory is fucked up. Yeah. And he had to literally scratch and claw for all of his abilities. Like, that was the biggest thing. Like, there was no, like, Dragon Ball Z type situation of, like, him just being born with the natural talents or anything like that. Like, no, this dude worked his ass off mm-hmm. for three years. Mm-hmm. Like, his hands are calloused. Like, he got beat to shit mm-hmm. for him to get as good at everything he did. And that's not something that you see. Like, it literally spent... Like, two whole episodes, basically, of him just training to get this. However, I really hope, because this is a shonen, that they add him to Jump Force. Mm-hmm. Because that would actually make me re-download the game. Just because I want to see how they would animate the sword skills yeah. into the video game. Absolutely. Because, oh, the sword skills in this anime are stunning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we're getting ahead of ourselves on that one, because we're going <laughs> to... I, I know I'm going to gush about this shit a lot here in a minute. However... So this is a manga, mm-hmm. and it ran in the weekly Shonen Jump, and it ran from February 15th, 2016 until May 18th of 2020. Mm-hmm. And there are a total of 20 volumes to date. Mm-hmm. I know you had talked about wanting to read the manga. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of manga to read, fam. Oh, no, I'm I'm actually excited that there's that much to read because the manga always has like hidden secret stuff that they don't include in the anime for whatever reason it doesn't translate well visually or whatever and uh yeah i love those little secret snippet things that you get in the manga that you don't get in the shows just as like in the shows they really can expand on what you see 
in the manga, so I love seeing the shows as well. But I'm excited to dive into the manga and uh, and fully explore it and get all of those little little snip 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 bits snip bits snip snip. What are they called? Snippets. Snippets. Get all of the snippets. <laughs> I got there eventually. Um, that that you don't get normally uh, from watch from just watching the anime. So yeah, I'm I'm stoked to get reading. Yeah, because there's there's a lot of lore in this show. Like there's a lot of background. Yeah. That you just you just don't get, or that we haven't gotten yet. Yeah, there's many questions so, that, that are left mm, with so far. Yeah, so I'm I'm like I just want to read it, but also I really enjoyed this show. Yeah, like I realize I'm getting way ahead of myself talking about that. So, and here's why I mentioned that up front. Anytime I have absolutely adored a show and I read the manga, I have to purchase it. <laughs> I own all of your line, April. All of a silent voice. I have all of the black editions of the Death Note manga. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you're familiar about the black editions, but they took all the volumes and lumped them two volumes at a time to make them thicker. Mm-hmm. And they printed it like they're legitimate Death Notes. Oh, awesome. So they look sick. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> like, honestly, I want to cover Death Note at some point because that's timeless and also a really good anime. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Honestly, why did I think about adding that in with quote unquote horror? <laughs> anime because i think that technically falls in that category yeah yeah i don't know if i would consider demon slayer horror definitely thriller uh it has some horror elements but it's definitely not like i would definitely consider tokyo ghoul more of a horror yeah yeah anime. i think that the way that they left off because the ending is is done in a way where it sets up for the next season or film um, because there's a film coming out, that's done in a way to where it sets you up to, I think, assume that there's going to be more horror aspects coming. But I, I don't mm-hmm. think that I would consider the show currently, with what's out, I don't think I would consider it a horror, because none of it was scary. It was emotional and exciting and, like, thrilling, but I wouldn't consider it scary. Mm-hmm. And this show, for what it was, like, it balanced, uh, like, it balanced emotion extremely well. Mm-hmm. Like, there were parts of this to where, like, everything just seemed all bleak, and then it would immediately just make you laugh your ass off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, uh, m- when we get into my notes in a, in a, in a minute, um, my notes don't really show the humor throughout the show, because there's so much that happens in each episode. Um, my notes were already long enough as it was. This show is incredibly funny, um, and what we're going to discuss today isn't going to be the humorous aspects um so i'm just yeah i'm letting you know that up front because um if you're if you listen to this podcast to decide whether or not you should watch it um because i know a lot of you guys listening do you listen to the episodes even going through is to spoil everything for yourself because you want to know whether or not something's good um one thing that i will say is that that what we discussed today is only going to be the heavier emotional training cool like thriller side of it and i'm not going to be including a lot of the horror stuff in it uh, the horror the humor stuff in it just because we would be here for so long discussing our episodes are already long anyways and we'd be here for so long discussing everything if i had included all of the humor stuff in here as well so yeah just know this show is incredibly funny despite the fact that it is also very dark and angsty i guess yeah because most of the comedy like minus one of the characters because I think one of the characters is there solely to basically be comic like, relief. Yeah, he's yeah. Like that's 
And yet, he's like one of the biggest badasses in the show, but he's entirely comic relief. Yeah. However, it doesn't necessarily add to the show, minus that character's presence, because he's one of the main characters in the show. Mm. But the comedy doesn't add anything to the story. It's literally there to be comedic relief. Yeah, yeah. Now, great, it's great. Like, I cried laughing at some of the points. Like, I was messaging Blue about it half the time. It was like, I, like, probably one of my favorite characters just because I was dying over his shit. And I've dropped little Easter eggs in the podcast already of, like, <laughs> what I mean by the character. And unfortunately for you, you got a lot of that in your stream last night. So I'm not sorry. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> anyway, uh, what else do we have in the background? So the show was, uh, words, <laughs> it was made by the studio Ufotable, who is known for Fate Zero, Fate Stay Night, Unlimited Blade Works, mm-hmm. God Eater, and Tales of Zestaria, which is also a video game series and also a really interesting game series. Oh. I kind of enjoyed what of it I played. Mm-hmm. Definitely interesting. And also... They have done the animation for the State or the Fate games, the Tales of Zestaria game, and uh, the Tales of Ursaria game, mm-hmm. which I really enjoyed playing. And then the God Eater games as well. Mm-hmm. So it's not often that we get a studio in here that actually did stuff for games as well. Mm-hmm. And the show was directed by Haru Sotozaki, mm-hmm. who is also the director of Tales of Zestaria. And, yeah, like, he did all the Tales stuff outside of this one. Mm -hmm. It ran originally from April of 2019 through the end of September 2019 Mm -hmm. and has an English dub, but I could not find the English dub anywhere Mm. because I watched this week to week whenever this came out. Like, this is one of those that I watched religiously and I really enjoyed it. However, watching it through this time, like, actually being able to binge it. I think I enjoyed it more. Like, I think I would rate it higher now than I would have the first time that I watched it. Interesting. Because this is very much a binge-worthy show. Oh, completely. Because there are times, like, you saw some of these episodes ended. Watching it week to week, I was pissed with some of the cliffhangers I was left with. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, especially the stuff in the forest there in the last, like, good few bit of episodes. Yeah. Like, I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Yeah. I, I I think you guys know by now, I am a massive binger and I, I have a really bad habit of watching something really, really quickly and then forgetting about it right away afterwards. Um, I think you guys know about that. The amount of anime I've watched that I just have no recollection of is really bad. And yeah, I've binged, I binged this, I binged this show so hard that I got to a certain point and gave up writing notes because notes, writing notes was taking too long between me watching episodes. Like, <laughs> that's how bad the cliffhangers are in this show. Not only that, but the second you told me that, I was like, yeah, like, she's definitely not hiding jack shit. Like, she's enjoying this no. show. Yeah, like, I, it's, it's genuinely, like, it was... Like, it doesn't take me that long to write the notes on each episode. Like, watch an episode, write notes on it. Takes me maybe 15 minutes to write the notes per episode, right? So, okay, say as long as as long as the show is, it takes me to write the the notes because I'm making sure I've got all the names correct and, and that kind of stuff. And, uh, and it was, yeah, I couldn't handle it. I couldn't stop. Like, I had to stop taking notes so I could just watch it and then go back and take the notes afterwards because, yeah, I had to finish it. I finished it yesterday. It's rare that I will finish uh, anime 
the day before a podcast. Like normally I'm watching, finishing up the anime the day of the podcast recording. Yeah, usually we're both the same yeah. in that aspect. Yeah. Like we, I will never understand why we decide to wait to the last fucking minute. But we do every time. <laughs> yeah, like it's without fail. Without fail. It's what happens. Yeah, yeah since I had already watched this, I decided like basically Friday night, whenever we recorded the last episode, I started on it and I just flew through it again because it's, it's so enjoyable and not actually having to wait week to week. Like, like I said, it just made me enjoy it more. Yeah, I watched 26 episodes in two days. Look at you go. I had three days. I watched it in two days. Yata. <laughs> That's how good it is. Yeah, we're probably going to say it a lot, but go watch this anime. It's good. It's real good. <laughs> like, before we start getting into the spoiler hats, mm. yeah, that's all the background. Mm. So before we get to the spoiler hat part, I'm just going to preface it by saying, go watch it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, watch it for the animation alone. Yeah. Because, oh my god. Yeah. Okay, so I guess I'm going to do our overall description of the anime, because if you haven't seen this, you're probably thoroughly confused right now. Um, so yeah, overall description. It is about um, a young lad named uh, Tanjiro, who, there are spoilers in the very first episode, so I'm not going to go into a lot of details. I'm going to try and keep it very, very vague. Um, But Tanjiro experiences significant trauma in the first episode because of demons. Because of this trauma, his sister ends up getting turned into a demon. And um, so then it's him and his sister going on an adventure, I guess. Going on an adventure, yeah, let's put it that way. Um, to train up um, so that he can become a demon slayer to find the person that caused this trauma and end all suffering for humans and demons alike and just kind of deal with the whole situation um, as it is. It's a very simple concept, um, but it's done incredibly well. Do not watch it if if you have children present. Um, there isn't any kind of like sexual stuff to it, so you don't have to worry about that. But there is a lot of gore um, and a lot of gore. Um, it's not censored. A lot of emotional trauma and um, yeah. A lot of decapitation yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. So definitely not a show for children. But I think, yeah, I would rate it. I don't know that I would rate it, give it like an R rating. I'd probably say like 16. Is 16A a thing? Can I say 16A? I would like, I would definitely rate it MA. Yeah. Because I can't give it TV 14 or PG 13, however the fuck you want to say that. Like it is not. It's not for teenagers, but I also wouldn't say that it's for adults only either, which is why I'm saying like 16, I think is good. Uh, Like young adults. Yeah, young adults. Because I mean, it's on the same kind of level as let me think um re-zero yeah it's yeah it's on the same level as re-zero if you're not in a typical anime watcher um it's probably got if you took harry potter and the deathly hallows part two the final battle and just took the battle scenes of that it's probably that kind of level i don't know so like a 17a 16a something like that i don't know that's a, my my amateur rating. I would give it to a teenager. I wouldn't give it to anyone younger than that. Now, funny TLDR description. Young kid with scar on his face goes after anime Michael Jackson. The end. <laughs> Does Kibutsuji not look like anime Michael Jackson? You like this cannot be argued at this point. 
I had not made that connection. But now you can't unsee it, right? Why would you do that to me? (laughs) Take that back. Take that out of my brain. I don't need that in my brain. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) You're stuck with it forever. You're a butt. You're a big butt. What? I, I have done nothing. Okay, if anything, I have enlightened you. I have opened your eyes to a new world of... A whole new... Michael Jackson. But You're a butt. Baka. Kamisama Baka. Why am I? What? <laughs> because you're name-calling me. Baka. <laughs> you're name-calling me. You call me a name. <laughs> you hurt my feelings. You hurt my I quit. Feelings. Anyway, I quit. Anyway, we're already an hour into this podcast, so let's 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 do the thing. What thing? The thi- where I go into the episode thing. Let's put up the spoiler wall. Uh, that's a thing. That's a thing. Spoiler wall's going up. Somebody get the crank handle. I know it's a heavy wall, but we got to put it up. Quick, editing, Brad. Throw in sirens. It's editing Wait. blue this week. Yata, I get a week off. I can finally go on this long-awaited vacation. <laughs> you sound like I'm a slave Blue driver. Is done. You're making me sound Blue like a done slave driver. The whip. Also, I get to go sit on a beach. Uh, editing Blue is too lazy to add in sirens, so. Um. <laughs> this is one of those things where, if it were a video, I could see you just throwing text on there saying, "No, fuck you. What are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, editing Blue says no. Oh. <laughs> uh... Okay. Okay, so yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, let's get into it. Uh, So the first episode is called Cruelty. There are 26 episodes in this anime, so it's quite a long one. But uh, I don't think any episode is, like, wasted. I think they're they're all needed. Uh, Although the last four episodes are kind of setting up for the next chunk of the story. Um, So I'd technically say that the anime kind of, in a way, ends after episode 22 um, for this arc. And then the last four episodes are then character development and setup for what's to come afterwards, if that makes sense. No. <laughs> okay, fine. Jeez. <laughs> Tanjiro uh, is living at the top of a mountain with his large family of his mother and five siblings. He is the oldest and takes responsibility for selling charcoal at the village at the bottom of the mountain to feed his family. On one such winter excursion, I don't know why I feel like I'm telling a story today, but I feel like it. On one such winter excursion. Uh, <laughs> Wait, can we have Becky tell the story, please? On one such winter excursion, he treks down the valley to sniff out the cat. Wait, what? Um, he treks down the, the alone to the village. And while he's there, he like sniffs out a cat broken plate and then begins to head home. It was like a really quick trip or whatever. Um <laughs> Quick trip my ass, it took all day. It took all day. Okay, so he goes down he goes down the mountain and while he's there, he comes across a guy that has been like thrown out of a restaurant and the owner of the restaurant's really angry at him and he's like beating him up. And the guy's like, Tanjiro, help me! Um, and Tanjiro's like, huh? What's going on? And they're like, and the guy's like, they say, uh, he says I broke a plate, but I didn't break the plate. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. And I can't afford to pay for it, so they beat me up. And Tanjiro's like, um, okay, let me sniff the plate. And he sniffs the plate and he's like, I smell a cat. And they're like, ah, oh, so it was my cat that broke the plate. And this guy's just like, cool with having been beaten up. Like, that's fine now. And that was that made me laugh a lot because he's just like, oh, okay, cool. Problem resolved, even though he's like bleeding everywhere. Um, uh, 
So it's kind of established early on that Tanjiro has like a mystical, magical sense of smell. Um, except it's not. It's just a really good sense of smell. Um, and he's about to head home. So it's it's evening. He sold all of the charcoal <clears throat> for his family. He's about to head back up the mountain um, to go back home. And uh, his siblings are adorable. His mother's really nice. And so he wants to get home to them really quickly so that he can um, spend time with them. And he promised that he'd bring them things back from the village. And he's like a good big brother. And it's very sweet. However, before he's about to go up the mountain, he is stopped at the foot of the mountain by an old man who makes him stay for the night um, as darkness has already set in. And he tells Tanjiro to be wary of traveling at night due to the demons. Dun, dun, dun. Um, and it's basically established that this old man had his family killed by demons who only travel at night. Um, and because of that, he's kind of a loner in the town and he's kind of off, off, like on the outskirts of the village, um, right by the edge of the mountain. And, uh, he's a nice old dude, but people are kind of a little bit wary of him because he's a little bit weird from what happened because of his family. But he gives, gives Tandro food and sends him to sleep and basically tells him, don't be an idiot. Don't travel at night, even if you have a good sense of smell. So in the morning, Tandro wakes up and starts trekking up the mountain to go home. But on his way home, he starts to know that something's wrong because he can smell the blood. And when he runs to his home, uh, there's no happy way to say this, uh, he sees his whole family completely slaughtered, just mutilated, decimated, puddles of goop. Um, And their bodies are cold, except for one, which is his younger sister, but I think is his, like, the the second oldest, um, or maybe the third oldest or something. Like, she's not one of the really young ones. She's, I think, one under him or two under him. It was never really established. Um, Nezuko. And so her body was still warm, but she was unconscious. So he grabs her and starts carrying her as fast as he can down the mountain in this thick, heavy snow. It's the middle of winter uh, in search of a doctor. But um, as he's walking along the path, he she starts to kind of change. She starts to twitch and then she um, goes to attack him. Her wounds were infected with the demon's blood, causing her to change into a demon herself. So it's kind of the zombie rule can be applied to demons. And she attacks her brother, but uh, he she she's like pinned him down on the ground and he's calling out to her. And as he's calling out to her, she kind of has some sort of recollection of their relationship and she starts to weep. A demon slayer shows up out of nowhere, basically, and he tries to kill Nezuko uh, because obviously she's a demon and she's attacking him. But... Tanjiro stands in the way and he protects her and uh, their dynamic is really weird for a demon. She should have lost all of her sense of humanity and yet she hasn't and she should be incredibly bloodthirsty um, because she's just used up all of her energy in transforming into a demon and yet she isn't and she's protecting him and so Tanjiro um, attacks yeah, and he he kind of steps in and and tries to to kill Nezuko, but Tanjiro um wants to protect her, so he does everything he can to protect her, and he ends up attacking this demon slayer with um an intelligent attack, despite the fact that he had gone through all of this trauma, 
and that makes the demon slayer kind of think oh maybe this kid's kind of got something some potential there because he he used his brain despite the fact that he's gone through all of this emotional turmoil uh then his sister defends him despite her being despite her hunger for humans um and so because of their strange relationship um he tells them to go to a man named uh, sakonji Urokodaki? Sure. I'm sorry if I get any of the names wrong throughout this entire anime. There are so many names. I tried to write them down and keep them in order, but I'm not very good with names, so bear with me. Urokodaki! Yes, Urokodaki! And he tells, uh, and tell him to say, and tell him that um, Gyo, Gyo, uh, Tomi, Tomioka sent them, sure, and uh, to keep his sister out of the sun. Um, so then Tandoro buries his family and sets off with Nazuko to go find uh, Irokodaki. And that is the end of the first episode. Dun, dun, dun. So dramatic. So dramatic. So much shit happens in that first episode. Honestly, yeah. So Like, me going through it, running through it like this is no description of this show. Um, you absolutely have to watch it to get any kind of feel of what I'm talking about. Um, so yeah, highly recommend watching it, but yeah, I think that first episode kind of gives you an understanding of the level of gore and, uh, death that we're going to be experiencing throughout the entirety of this show. Um, episode two is called Trainer Sakonji Irokodaki, um, and it's based around the siblings um, going on a trip to find the sensei. Um, and as they are walking to the to find him, they stumble across a mountain temple. This temple, um, at this temple, there's a demon who's eating the people inside there. They're traveling at night, um, which he was told not to do last episode, but still he travels at night. The demon is unsure if they're human or demon because he can smell demon with them, but he doesn't quite understand the dynamic. Um, and he's kind of confused about Nezuko and Tanjiro. And so uh, he attacks them anyway. And uh, Tanjiro and Nezuko manage to capture the demon because Nezuko kicks off its head and the head grows arms. And Tanjiro manages to pin the head to a tree with his hatchet then they throw the body off of a cliff <laughs> um, that's the best way to say it um, Nezuko has managed to resist the urge to eat the dead bodies that were already there but it took a lot of restraint for her to do so and then the old man that they were actually looking for shows up and tells them tells Tanjiro to finish the demon off he's like you gotta kill the demon um, but something is stopping Tanjiro, um, and the demon actually ends up disintegrating as the sun rises. The old man makes Tanjiro carry a sister, uh, and the old man's like, okay, well, you can't be a demon slayer if you can't even kill a demon that was pinned. Like, you need to be able to do that. Um, and yeah, so Tanjiro, um, the old man makes Tanjiro carry Nezuko and run with them, with him back to the mountains. When he gets there, he's already exhausted because he's been carrying his sister for literally miles and running at the old man's pace, which is not uh, a young whippersnapper. Like, he's very fast and, yeah, Tandro can't really keep up, but he gets there eventually. And when he makes it there, he drops his sister off um, at the uh, cabin and he's told to climb the mountain. Um, And when he gets to the top of the mountain, he's said, okay, 
this is your task. If you can complete this, then I will accept you as my disciple. You need to run down to the bottom of the mountain before sunrise. But the mountain is absolutely covered in traps and there's an abs- there's a really, really thick fog there, which makes um, which gives Tandra a really hard time seeing. And it's the air is also very, very thin, uh, much thinner than it was on the mountain that Tandra used to live on. But Tanjiro does make it in time and is, ex- as, is accepted as his student. And that's the end of episode two. Uh, episode three is Sabato and uh, Makomo. Makomo. <laughs> uh, and this is mainly a training montage. I There's a lot of training montages throughout this episode, throughout this episode, throughout this anime. Um, and they're always fun to see. I do enjoy a good training montage. Yeah, I don't know. I enjoy training montages. Why? Probably because my favorite animes are sports animes. So training montages tend to come with those a lot. Um, yeah. Uh, so the old man, or uh, Urokotaki, uh, is training him for a year. Um, this is one thing that I also really, really enjoy about the show, is that, like Brad mentioned earlier, the training doesn't take five minutes and he's done. There's no quick roundabout ways for him to level up his training and to get to the next level. He just works hard for a good period of time. Like, it's not like, oh, I have been working for three months and all of a sudden I am the best fighter that ever lived. It's absolutely not like that. It is, he, like, okay, so his goal is to go to um the... Uh, final selection. At the final selection, it's basically a competition um, or like a test where if he passes the final selection, he will then become a licensed demon slayer. He trains for two years to get to that final selection, which is longer than any anime so far that I think I've seen in the training montage section. Um, But yeah, so he trains with him um for a year and it's just like big training montage old man's training with him for a year after the year the old man never trains him again so for the next six months uh he trains alone uh because he has to slice this giant boulder for rokodaki to feel like he is accomplished enough to be able to go to the final selection but after a while two people um sabuto and uh makomo show up and uh Saboto is wearing a fox mask and Makomo also has a mask um, that is very similar to his, but I don't think it was ever established what animal her mask represented. And they basically get really mad at him because it's like, you've been training for six months and you have nothing to show for it. Like, you should be doing better than this. And so uh, Saboto is training him in his swordsmanship and Makomo is basically correcting all of his bad habits and making him into a more uh, efficient like fighter um and they really like break everything down for him and for another six months they train with him and then after and this entire time he cannot beat Sabuto in a fight uh but after six months he is finally able to beat Sabuto with um his sword but instead of slicing Sabuto's mask which he thought he was doing um he actually has sliced the boulder in half so then uh, Urokodaki comes up and is like, hey, you slice the boulder, you can go to the final training selection thing. Um, 
But Nezuko, throughout these entire two years, has not woken up. She went to sleep two years ago and has slept the entire time in her demon form, um, just completely asleep. The entire training thing is all about breathing techniques. This is one thing that I find hilarious about so many animes, um, this one included. Their entire power is based around breathing techniques. Like, they get all of their power based on the way that they breathe. Unlike... I think I actually texted Brad at one point. I think I texted him something like, if I knew breathing techniques were going to make me into a freaking swordswoman, I would have taken up trumpet years ago. I think that's what I texted you or something. Like, <laughs> something along those lines. Because, dude, they become so badass for breathing. I can't understand it. Lung capacity, man. I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, right? Right? Um... But basically what his breathing technique has enabled him to do is heighten his sense of smell enough to where he can see the threads of motion. That sentence didn't make any sense, but it's cool in the anime. Um, it makes sense if you watch the it show. It makes sense if you watch the show, yeah. So um, basically he can see the thread of when someone is about to strike, like when they're about to make their motion, he can see this thread that, that connects their line of motion. And so if he is able to slice that thread, then he can strike them before they strike him. And Urukodaki actually has the same powerful sense of smell that he does, which is why Gyu actually recommended um, him to Urukodaki, because they have the same sense of smell. And that is the end of episode three. Episode four is called Final Selection. Uh, <laughs> and my first note is, he fucked up a big dude. Um, <laughs> real big dude. Real big dude. So, um, oh, at the very, yeah. So Tanjiro is going off to face the final selection. And as he goes to say goodbye to the old man and run off to the final selection, he turns back to the old man and he tells them to take care of uh, Sabuto and Mamo, uh, Makomo. Um, and the old man's just like, how does he know the name of those two dead kids? And that's when you find out that Tanjiro can speak with the dead. Um, kind of. He kind of can, to be honest. Both him and his sister have a very intense connection with people that have crossed over already. Like, they talk with family members frequently in times of stress. And Tanjiro spoke with both of those two for six months during his training. So I feel like they are kind of more open to it than other people because nobody else in this world currently from this show from this season it has been established that nobody else can interact with the dead the way that these two siblings do but there's also many mysteries surrounding these siblings that we'll get into later so when he gets to the final selection the the trial to determine who joins the demon slayers um he gets to a mountain that is surrounded by wisteria flowers um, wisteria flowers are like a poison to demons, um, so they're very, very like scared of them, and they won't interact with them. So what they've done is they've surrounded this mountain in wisteria flowers and uh, wisteria trees, so that the demons that are there won't leave. So they're able to keep them kind of captive. And all of the demons that are on this mountain are supposed to be demons who've only killed like four to five humans. So they're basically like a level four or five demon, if you think of it that way. Because for each human death, the for each human that a demon has consumed they get that little bit more powerful <laughs> um so yes yeah, so they're they're only demons that are supposedly killed four to five humans they're about a level four or five demon is how i kind of classify it in my brain and what their their mission is is to survive on this mountain for a week 
And if they can survive for a week in this demon-infested mountain, then they can become demon slayers. So it's not like a you can fail or you can bail out or anything like that. It's a you live or you die situation. If you live, you're a demon slayer. If you die, you're dead. So, <laughs> um, so that's that's the trial, which is why the old man was so resistant to let him go. And you find out more a little uh, about that in this episode. Very quickly, while he's on this mountain, the first night that he's there, he experiences, uh, he encounters this big old dude um, who specifically targets the old man's students. He can tell um, which students are his students because of the masks that um, he gives them um, that are embedded with, I think, a good luck charm or a charm of protection. And so this big old dude who's there um, specifically targets the students, the 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 humans that are on the mountain that wear those masks. Um, and so when he saw Tandra on the mountain, he went after him. And uh, it's because the old man was the one who actually trapped him there 47 years prior. While fighting the demon, it's actually revealed that that demon was the one to kill the two previous students who had trained Tanjiro. And um, he has killed 12 um, of the old man's students so far in total. Tanjiro at this point didn't know that those two were dead uh, because the old man had kind of said, how do you know the name of those two dead students to himself? So Tanjiro didn't know that. So it's kind of revealed to him that he was trained by ghosts um, during this fight. Um, and Tanjiro is having a really... Yeah, this this guy has killed, like, I think 50 in total. So he's like a level 50 demon and he shouldn't technically be there because it's supposed to be like four to five but they can't they don't remove him from the mountain they just kept him there and had like this one big old boss dude on the mountain and Tandro nearly loses control in anger but he manages to regain his temper when his brother calls out to him from the afterlife um and then that is when he finally kills the big old dude and this fight scene is freaking awesome and it gets you hyped for all the fight scenes that are coming um but yeah, uh, that's what I mean. Like, there's quite a few times where Tandro and Nezuko's family members will step in during a time of peril um, and give them words of encouragement. And that's why I'm like, these two siblings have a very fine line between them and the afterlife. And they're able to communicate, or at least that their, their loved ones are able to communicate with them. It doesn't really go the other way around um, quite easily throughout this show. Yeah. Um <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Were you asking me? No, no. It's just like my thoughts on that. Yeah, I guess sure. Because I, I'm not gonna lie. I just looked at it as like anime backstory of like them remembering family members, mm-hmm. and so it's just like their family members giving them words of encouragement, like at a prior point or something like mm-hmm. that. Except for the later episode, whenever the mother speaks to Nezuko. Mm-hmm. Like, that was one of the really, like, odd ones, but also that could have just been, like, fabricated in their mind just to kind of will them onwards, Mm -hmm. I guess. So it could be what you're talking about. Like, they could have some sort of affinity with the dead. Mm -hmm. However, I more or less just looked at it as it was just prior experience of them be like, no, don't give up. You can do it. We believe in you. I would have if it hadn't have been for the two students that had trained Tanjiro for six months' time that Mm -hmm. were dead Well, like, this anime was... Like, it is based in fantasy, though. So I that one, I just kind of looked at, like, you know, those ghosts were probably Urukodaki's favorite students, or those were the ones that he had the closest affinity mm-hmm. to. So therefore, their spirits would kind of stick around to try to help. Because after, like, once he kills the ghosts, like, you see all of them. 
like basically like kind of wave goodbye in a sense, like all the students that had passed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think uh, the boy spirit, whose name I can't remember, even said like, tell the old man we're sorry or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sabato. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think it's like a, a thing where it's going to be revealed that they are like actual communicators of the dead. I just think that, like, this is a consistent theme that goes on. Like, I don't think they're going to all of a sudden be, like, psychic and, like, that kind of stuff, you know? I think it's, it, mm-hmm. it is definitely what you're saying. But it seems like it happens to these two specifically, as opposed to, like, other members. Like, because even, um, like, when you see some of the other characters on their kind of deathbeds later on, they don't have this kind of connection with the afterlife that these two have. So I do think that it is something that is a specific character trait to the siblings. Well, also, the other two characters never really had anyone to them like Tanjiro and Nezuko had with their family. Mm, yeah, kind of. Inesuke does... Kind of? I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, let's continue. It's open to interpretation. It's open to interpretation. Um... Episode five is My Own Steel. Um, so, dude wants a sword real bad. Uh, <laughs> so after- well, he also broke Urukodaki's sword. Right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, uh, yeah. Okay, so, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so what happens is at the end of the trial, um, five of them got through. Uh, and I think... There was 40 who entered the trials in total, if I can remember correctly. Um, but you can only see four of them. There's only four of them that you see through, during this. And I picked up on that. But we find out who the fifth is not too long after this incident, actually. But yeah, only you only see four of them. But five of the, five of the students got through. Uh, while they're there, the two ke- creepy twin ladies... Um, tell him that he's going to get a color-changing sword, um, which is basically the sword of the Demon Slayer. It's like the, the, a special iron that was um, grown <laughs> grown in the sun. It, it developed, hardened. I don't know. It spent all of its time in the sun. It came from the tallest mountain in the world, so therefore it was closest to the sun. So therefore, because the demons die from sunlight, mm-hmm. So therefore, this material has the most concentrated amount of sunlight in the world. Yes. So that's how, because this material is the only thing that they have that can slay demons. Other than the wisteria. Like no regular, yeah. yeah, like there's no amount of, like no other steel, like nothing. Like earlier, whenever they said that Tanjiro cut the demon's head off and planted him to the tree with an axe, mm-hmm. he didn't die from that. He died from the sunlight. Like, this is the only material that can, and they play it off as because, like, it's infused with the power of the sun. Um, and and this is where you get to see three other um, of the young demon slayers that get through this first trial. They get through the final selection. Um, one of them really wants a sword really, really bad, and he is grumpy. Um, one of them is a girl. Uh, she's the only girl out of the ones that went through um and she's kind of weird and then one of them's crying um and then there's Tanjiro and there's one that you don't see uh and yeah so then Nezuko uh Tanjiro ends up going back home to the old man and Nezuko is awake for the first time in two years yeah and he had to choose the orphan the sword as well and he chose it by sniffing it out because he's a weird sniffy dude 
And yeah, so the, these color changing swords basically they change color depending on the the uh, wielder of the sword, and the color that it changes to kind of determines your traits, I guess. Um, and because he was born to a family of fire, so he's the techniques that he's learned from the old man. I forgot to say this are water techniques. So he's learned water breathing. There are ten different breathing techniques that he's learned that's given him basically ten different moves um, that he can use that are all based around the element of water. But Tanjiro is actually born to a family that works with fire. Uh, he uh, he was born with um, a. Uh, a child that is born to a family of fire with a red tint to the hair and eyes is known to be special. Uh, so among all of his siblings, um, he's the one that is the most like red. Um, and you see that in all of the flashbacks with him and his family. Um, and he has the same coloring as his dad, um, which is kind of important. I think it's going to be more important later. Um, yeah, we don't really know much about his dad, but I feel like his dad's kind of going to be more important. I don't know, I feel like his dad's kind of been, like, hyped up to be someone that we need to keep an eye on, you know? Well, I kind of have a theory about his dad, and we'll get into it a little bit later once we actually meet all of the Hashiras. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually have a theory about his dad, too. So we can we can definitely discuss that then, because I'm also kind of curious what yours is. However, one thing I will say of note at this point. So, dude gets a black sword. Yes. And they talk about how, like, it's the most unique color yeah. that you can get, but also so very little is known about it throughout the, yeah. like, there's so few that there's no real data because most of the people who get a black sword die. Yeah. Like, basically immediately after they get it. So they don't see, like, what actual power the sword has. Yes. Here's my issue with this. It's never brought up. Through the rest of the anime again. No, it's not. I know. And uh, later on in the anime, he actually gets a second sword because he breaks the sword that he has. Um, and I thought that they were going to go through the showing of it turning again, but they didn't. And that was kind of jarring to me because I, that's where I was expecting it to go and it didn't. Yeah, like, honestly, it would have been legit, like, if he would have got a red one. Yeah. Because at this point, we met his dad, so we saw... But that, you know, it he... was also established that there's a difference between flame breathing and fire breathing, and the red swords belong to flame breathers, not fire breathers. So, but anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> um, yeah, we're we're getting we're getting way right. ahead. However, but yeah, like that that kind of frustrated me watching it through the second time. The first time, I don't think I necessarily paid attention to it, but watching it through the second time, I was like, wait. You guys are bastards. Yeah, no, I definitely noticed it uh, watching it through this time. But yeah, so basically there's so few black swords that it's kind of, uh, it's been given the stereotype of black swords a week because there are so few of them and they die so quickly after having their swords. So um, when it turns black, the blacksmith is kind of like, oh, I was expecting a bright red sword. I'm sad now. And uh, he's, and Tanjiro's like, why? Um, and the old man's just basically like, well, we don't know. That's why. we. It's just a big question. You gonna die, fam. You gonna die. Um, but it's also established that he was like, he's strong, you know, because he was able to kill a level 50 demon um, when he should have only been facing level four to five. So, mm. but then also we're introduced to his raven. Um, so yeah, basically um, all <laughs> except one of the um, 
finalists from the final selections are given a raven. The raven talks and is able to give them messages from headquarters and basically gives them their missions for what they're supposed to do, where they're supposed to go to kill demons. It's structured. Um, because um, the demon slayer organization is not recognized by the government. Um, and so they're kind of underground uh, in the way that they do things. And so, yeah, they they present messages through talking ravens, except one dude gets a sparrow, but we'll get into that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Episode six is Swordsman Accompanying a Demon. So the raven gives them his first assignment, and in a town to the northeast, young girls have been going missing. Tanjiro is to go and slay the demon responsible. A young man um, and a girl who are walking out late at night uh, throughout this town... Uh, they're having a conversation. They're fiancés with each other. And um, uh, all of a sudden, he turns back and she is just gone. He's been walking around this town kind of aimlessly for the, the couple of days afterwards. Um, really, like, obviously devastated. Um, and a little bit beaten up because the father of the daughter lashed out at him when he said that she just disappeared out of nowhere and he has no clue where she is. And she's not the first girl to have gone missing throughout this town. Tanjiro finds him and ends up asking him for his story. Um, that night, as Tanjiro and this boy are kind of searching around, Tanjiro is basically trying to sniff out the demon, literally. That night, another girl goes missing, but this time directly from her bed rather than being in the street. Um, and this is where we meet the puddle. I don't know how else to describe him. A puddle demon. <laughs> um... <laughs> So yeah, so Tanjiro uh, runs to save her um, with the man and the demon um, has actually split into three. So he's humanoid, a humanoid um, that basically has like a cross between a portal and a puddle. But if you go into the, like it's, it's yeah, it's water, but it's, he, it's able to show up in like the ground and in walls and in anything solid. So it's like a puddle portal. Um <laughs> Puddle portal. Puddle portal. And there's three of them. They all have different personalities, but it's technically the same demon. Oh, because I forgot to say, the more demons consume humans, the more abilities that they get. So it's not just how strong they get. They also get the ability to use blood art, um, demon blood art. So then they can end up being able to, for instance, in this case, split into three um, and use puddle portals. Or you could... Uh, be giant like the one in the trials um, and there's like many many forms of this it's just basically they can mutate to have any kind of ability that they wish to have based on the amount of human blood that they consume uh, so yeah Nezuko ends up joining the fight and this is where we get to see Nezuko being even more awesome um, because she has slept for two years. Oh, I forgot to say, the old man, while Nezuko was asleep for those two years, had been hypnotizing her, kind of putting a spell on her, so that she now believes that all humans are members of her family. So, yeah, she's, uh, he has a theory that instead of consuming human blood, which is the only other way that demons have been able to, in the history um, of demons, have been able to re like regenerate and redevelop their their abilities she can do so through sleeping but it takes her a lot longer 
than it would do for like a human. So, and it would do if she just consumed blood, but because she refuses to consume blood, it takes her a long time. So the trauma of her turning into a demon and then the fight with the guy at the temple, that took so much out of her body that she slept for two years straight. So now she's only just kind of waking up and is in like her full demon form because even when she was fighting in the temple, she wasn't um, full strength because she had just transformed and then fought Gyu. And yeah, there had been like so much stuff that had happened up until that point. So this is kind of the first time uh, when Nezuko is like full strength. So Nezuko ends up joining the fight because Tanjiro is having trouble facing all three of them and protecting the girl that he managed to get off of the demon um, and the man. And so he says to Nezuko, you protect these two and deal with that one dude. I'm gonna jump into the puddle portal and face the other two. And yeah, that's the end of episode six because it continues on in episode seven. Um, so episode seven is called uh, Muzan Kibutsuji. Kibutsuji. Um, and my first note- Michael Jackson, yata. <laughs> yata. The first note is, holy fuck, dude. Um, that's that's the first note that I made. <laughs> so Tajiro jumps into the puddle portal, uh, leaving one of the trio to his sister. Uh, he is oh yeah, and so in this puddle portal, it's basically like a swamp, like swamp water. Um, but for some reason, he's fine breathing. Well, kind of fine breathing, but he's um, used to the lack of air because of the training on the mountain, so he can hold his breath for like a really long time. Um, and he reasonably easily defeats them as he's able to go all out because his water breathing techniques work really well in water. Shock. Um, wait, so, what? Nani? Wait, what? Um, so he's kind of able to go all out even more so than he would be able to on land. And yeah, he's able to defeat them pretty easily. So when he returns to the surface, he also handles the last one of them who by that point was getting used to Nezuko's attacks because she... Although she is very, very strong, she doesn't have any kind of special moves yet. And uh, her attacks are kind of rudimentary in the sense that like, it's just basic kick, hit, kick, hit kind of thing. And so he found like a rhythm and was able to kind of like handle her. And she doesn't have a weapon. She just like hits with her fists. But we do get to see progression with her just as we do Tanjiro in her learning how to use her abilities and stuff. Well, less so learning, more unleashing. So Tanjiro basically has gone on this huge mission. The reason why he wants to become a demon slayer is so that he can find a way to cure Nezuko. Uh, I forgot to mention that kind of key point. Uh, So then when he's like, okay, well, now I have a demon in front of me. I'm going to question him. Um, And so he questions the demon about um, the original demon because the old man had informed him that there is only one demon who can change humans into demons. It's not like all demons can just bite other demons, which is what you're initially made to believe, like it's a zombie thing. It's kind of like a zombie thing, but there's one original zombie. So I guess it's more of a vampire thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, basically, uh, there's only one original demon who kind of mutated, and he is the only one from hundreds of years ago that can change demons into demons. And his name is Muzen uh, Kibutsuji. Um, and Kibutsuji, when he, when, um, Tanjiro asks this demon about Kibutsuji, um, the demon flinches in fear and refuses to speak. And so Tanjiro cannot get any information about him, except for the fact that demons are scared of him. 
So Tantra decapitates the demon, um, and his first mission is over. Mission successful. Um, mission complete. <laughs> the man um, notes that he doesn't have... Yeah, the man is, like, really um, distraught over the fact that he's lost his fiance because they confirm that his fiance was eaten by this demon. And uh, when Tundro finishes up the demon and he's talking with this this guy, this guy is like... How do you know what it feels like? You don't know what it feels like. You're, you you can't comfort me. Um, and then as Tanjiro just like smiles at him um, and just gets up to walk away, it's just like, well, it's it's over now. Then the the guy's just like, uh, Tanjiro like turns back to wave at him. And that's when the guy sees his hands. Um, and he notes that they're not the hands of a boy his age. They sh- they sh- his hands shouldn't look like that. He's got the hands of a man who's worked many, many years because obviously he spent two solid years of his life training to death and absolutely knows what he's gone through times... Well, how many members of his family died? Five. Times five. So then the raven returns and his next mission is in Tokyo. Um, and Tanjiro has a hard time adjusting to the sights and sounds of a city. Um, I don't know when this anime is set, but it feels kind of like the 1930s. What do you think? Yeah, I would say somewhere around somewhere in there around for there. sure. Yeah. Like, it's really weird because the buildings look extremely modern, but the automobile and the train look very, or look older. And the clothing as well. Yeah, so you got to kind of take the, you got to take the show kind of with a grain of salt. Because again, it is fantasy elements, so they do kind of blend current day 1930s and then like more feudal yeah so they blend a lot of time together yeah i mean you're not going to see any kind of like cell phones or anything throughout this show but yeah it's it's i would i would put it around the 1930s but then i'm also not a historian so well like i said looking at the buildings because they had skyscrapers and lights and stuff if i'm not yeah, mistaken but that would have, that i feel like that would have been in tokyo in the 30s i don't know like it's like the infrastructure just seemed very modern. So mm. I don't know. Mm. I don't know that much about Tokyo though. So fuck it. I could be wrong. You could be right. We could both be wrong. Who fucking knows? It's fantasy. I feel like it's set kind of around the, that's the vibe it gives off anyway to me. But yeah, Tanjiro spent his entire life living in a mountain. So um, he is very unaccustomed to the, to the city. And because sense, his sense of smell is so powerful and what he kind of uses the most in battle as his, like, I don't know how to describe it, his, like, initiator for battle. Uh, he has a hard time getting accustomed to it. So he decides that he's going to go get some udon, because what else are you going to do while you're in Tokyo? And uh, while he's going to go get some udon, he smells the scent of the demon that attacked his home, um, which we now know is Kubutsuji. When he goes to chase after it, he reaches a man, who Brad says looks like Michael Jackson, um... <laughs> With a human wife and a human daughter. The, yes, the original demon. <laughs> That's what I put in my notes. The demon sees him and scratches the neck of a passerby who immediately turns into a demon himself and starts attacking. Episode end. Episode eight, the smell of enchanting blood. Tanjiro holds down the man and separates him from his wife, who he had attacked um, the crowd draws near in confusion. Kibutsuji walks away with his wife and daughter as the police come. He just, like, legitimately just walks away. 
The police come and try to pry Tanjiro off of the man, despite his cries that he is the only one strong enough to hold him down. Then a floral scent appears and flowers start blocking the view physically from everyone uh, and the two. And a woman and a boy, uh, seemingly uh, Tanjiro's age, appear. But both of them are demons, but with like a sense of humanity still. So Tanjiro is kind of confused because he thought that Nezuko was supposed to be the only one with her humanity intact. And then uh, that's all you get to see of that because then Tanjiro gets two bowls of Udon Udon, because um, yeah, he has to pick up Nezuko who he just kind of left. Um, And uh, then when he regroups with the boy, uh, Yoshiro, he takes him and Nezuko to a magically hidden home where uh, Tamayo is inside, who's the woman, with the newly demonized man and the injured woman. Tamayo is a doctor who had dedicated her life to helping, and she'd actually modified her own demon body um, to need only a small amount of blood to be satiated. So she basically uses like a blood bank system um, to deal with her bloodlust. And in her experiments, she actually turned Yoshiro into a demon herself, which is supposedly impossible to do, but she's done through done so through her medical research uh, because he was going to die from sickness. And so she asked him, do you want to keep living even if you lose your humanity? Do you want to be a demon? He agreed. And then she turned him into a demon herself using science and was able to even decrease his need for blood even more than her need for blood. So he needs very, very little blood to survive. But it took 200 years for her to be able to get to the point where she was at with science. And demons don't age. But Kiritsuji had taken note of Tanjiro uh, when he met him very briefly in the streets and decides to send his minions after him because of the earrings that he wears. The earrings that he wears remind him of someone else. So then Tamayo um, asks Tanjiro to get her samples of high-strength demon blood so that she can use them for testing to try and find a cure. And she also wants to test Nezuko's blood as well because she's obviously a very unique demon. Attack! That's the end of episode eight. (laughs) (laughs) Um, episode, Episode nine is Temeri Demon and Arrow Demon. Huge fight scene! Um, so Temari is basically like a bouncy ball um, with a bell in it, but it's like the size of a dodgeball. Yeah, and then there's um, an arrow demon. So there's, yeah, that demon who has the balls that like bounces them and they are full strength. Um, and then arrow demon who uses his arrows to change the directions of things. So he can use the arrows to change the direction of the Temari to make it like not bounce the way that it should. Yeah, so basically... These two demons got sent after Tanjiro because of Tanjiro's earrings, and they managed to find the secluded house um, because Arrow Demon is able to see the footsteps. That's never really established as to why he's able to see the footsteps, but he's able to see their footsteps um, and manages to find the secret hidden hideout. Um, and yeah, this is when there's a full-on fight scene. Um, Nezuko ends up losing a leg in the fight scene, um, and uh, Tanjiro uh, is actually learning very, very quickly. And with Yushiro's talisman, um, he's able to see the arrows for which Arrow Demon is using to change all of the directions of things. And Arrow Demon ends up being decaffeinated. And, decaffeinated? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
sorry. That's a that's a um. Are, are we sure that's not how you're feeling? <laughs> I'm I'm decaffeinated, but yeah, it's a reference to Hot Fuzz, which is a really good film. If you haven't seen it, um, um, I recommend uh, watching it. Not, uh, I refuse to say whether I have or have not. You haven't seen Hot Fuzz, or have you? I don't know. I have not. You've not? Okay, I recommend watching it. Um, it's part of the Cornetto trilogy. Um, so there's Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead, and The World's End. And there's Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, and Edgar Wright um, is the director and two lead actors. They're fantastic films um, and very, very funny. And they're like British, little, like they're British humour, stupid jokes. See, I've seen Shaun of the Dead, but I have not seen Hot Fuzz. You need to see Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz is great. It's actually my favorite of the three. Hmm, interesting. I may have to yeah. give that a watch. Highly recommend it. Uh, and decaffeinated is a joke from there. Um, ah, <laughs> uh, learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is when we also learn about the background, more of the background, about uh, the doctor, Tam- uh, Tamoya, who is a fugitive. And that's kind of episode nine. It's just a big old fight scene. Episode 10 is a continuation of the battle called Together Forever. Even with the decaffeination, it took a long time for him to die. And the arrows that he was using, uh, the arrows that he was using were still fucking up Tanjiro all while he was dying. Like he is disintegrating, but these arrows are still just fucking up Tanjiro. Tamoya and Nezuko kind of team up to deal with the Temeri, uh, demon um to make her lose um to make her lose focus and as she loses focus she ends up uttering voldemort's name that's kind of the only way i can put it um so basically if a demon within his circle ends up or is it just any demon i don't know if it's any demon or just yeah, a demon any demon it. who says uh kubitsuji's name will immediately get slaughtered right okay yeah and by slaughtered he means uh chunks yeah <laughs> uh so yeah it's kind of like a voldemort curse i guess but to be fair this episode did contain the greatest football match in anime history oh yeah i literally put in my notes and nezuko could give messi a run for his money so greatest football match in anime history oh yeah shit was shit was legit like mm-hmm. this was probably as blue would probably put it prince of tennis just football levels of football <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's going past Prince of Tennis there. I think it's going into Ice Shield 21 category of just what, which you have to watch. You have to, if you know anything about American football, I highly recommend you watch Ice Shield 21 because it's just what? Future podcast episode. <laughs> There's so many episodes of that show though, so give us some time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they can't, and no demons are allowed to actually team up together. Or, like, they're not supposed to. They can, but they're not supposed to team up with each other because uh, they might team up and end up fighting against him. And he's, like, actually kind of a big old coward. And this is uh, when we figure out that they're actually not a part of the 12 moons. I can't remember the word. I, I'll say it a few more times throughout. Um, but basically, there's, like, there's these 12 demons that are specifically really, really close Kibutsuji, um, and these demons are like his most powerful demons that he's given his blood to on multiple occasions because his blood is the thing that turns them into demons in the first place. So 
the more blood that they get, the more powerful of a demon that they are. And there's the lower six and the upper six. And the lower six have gotten less blood. The upper six are like his big leagues. The 12 Kizuki. Kizuki, thank you very much. And they thought um, that these two may have been in the 12 Kizuki, but they weren't um, because the, the demons that are have a number on their eyeballs. But even so, they were really, really strong. So it kind of gives us a overview as to how strong the demons in the in the twelve in the, the that top twelve are in reference and like comparison. Um, so the duo duo end up um, heading southeast, while the other two go into hiding elsewhere. So Doctor and friend um, go into hiding themselves because now they've been found by Kibutsuji and they want to go on the run um and uh tanjiro and nezuko have to go and do their next mission even though they didn't really complete the mission in this case kind of but also not really because yeah i don't know but yeah they move on and this is where we run into the blonde candidate dude who i don't think we find the name of find out the name of until the next episode so i'm just gonna call him blonde candidate dude he is the dude who got the sparrow and he is a crybaby and he is in the middle of a road begging begging this poor girl to marry him i put here like seven brides for seven brothers but more grovelly and less music so if any of you (laughs) any of you know that musical there's your reference and that's the end of episode 10. Episode 11 is uh, Tazumi Mansion. Wimpy dude, be wimpy! And he makes trouble for his sparrow. Uh, that's, that's my first note. Um, uh, so his name is Zenitsu. And he has really, really good hearing. So what Tanjiro has for scent, he has for hearing. And they ad- end up teaming up, or more so he clings on to Tanjiro, and they start heading south, southwest, um, until they come across a mansion where there are two terrified children crouched outside. They say that their brother was taken from the road and taken inside the mansion. And they ended up tracking him through the, the spots of his blood and have been waiting outside for their brother to come out. Um, whilst they're talking, a body is flung from the window and a boy falls to the floor. He ends up dying on the ground after he claims that he finally got outside. The duo go inside and Tanjiro leaves the box with the kids, uh, with Nezuko inside, because Nezuko's been put inside this sealed box while it's daytime, because obviously if she gets in the sun, she'll disintegrate. They run inside, uh, but the kids end up running inside with them after they hear Nezuko scratching inside the box. Tanjiro, while he leaves the box with the kids, says, this will protect you. It is more precious than my life. But they hear this sound of like a um, drum being banged and every time the sound of this drum bangs the room changes if you've seen the cube kind of like that but more instant they end up getting split up into zensu and the older brother and tanjiro and the younger sister while they are split up they end up having a bored hide wearing dude come out of nowhere um and uh, a demon be real grumpy and that is the end of episode 11 <laughs> episode 12 uh the boar bears it fang bears its fangs and zensu sleeps 
So the human boar is actually a demon slayer, and he seems a bit bloodshed happy. Um, he'll attack whoever is strong, um, including Tanjiro, uh, because Tanjiro kind of impressed him a bit, and he's like, I want to attack you. While they're in, <laughs> while they're going through the rooms, and they're seeing all of these demons, uh, Zensu is real scared, and he's crying and clinging onto the to the boy that he's supposed to be protecting. Um, and he ends up fainting due to fear when a demon attacks him. And as he faints, he then falls asleep. Then he is awakened. Um, apparently when he falls asleep, he turns into a freaking badass. Like he is so powerful and cool and awesome um, when he's asleep. And he is facing a demon with an intense tongue. Um, let's just, yeah, an intense tongue. Um, but when he wakes up, he remembers none of it, despite the fact that there is a dead demon in front of him. And he thinks that the kid did it all. So he is like, oh my god, that kid's amazing. Uh, thank you so much, kid, for saving my life. You're legit. Tanjiro, on the other side of this manor, um, is still struggling with his broken bones, bones from his previous fight. He's got a broken leg and broken ribs. That's one thing that I really appreciate about, the, appreciate about this anime, is that injuries aren't just insta-healed. Uh, they do have lasting effects. Uh, yeah, the rooms keep changing, and the boar easily slaughters the fat demon. Uh, yeah, the boar easily slaughters the fat demon. And then Tanjiro and the sister end up meet up, meeting up with a boy, who is the missing Nissan that the two siblings were waiting for outside. Um, and he says that he was targeted due to being uh, a merachi, uh, a merachi. Marachi? I don't know how to say it. Or having high-class blood that's basically worth about 50 to 100 humans. Um, and the demons were fighting over him when the Tsuzumi demon had one of the drums ripped from him. So this demon is covered in drums, and every time he hits one of these drums, the room changes. It'll rotate direction, it'll change to a completely different room, or it will lash out and claw at him. So while those demons were fighting over him, one of the drums from his back was ripped from his body, and that so the boy grabbed the drum and hit it, and that's when the rooms started changing more rhythmically, because whenever the boy heard a noise, he would just hit the drum and the rooms would change. Tanjiro leaves the sister with him and the uh, Tsuzumi so that he can finish off the Tsuzumi demon um, while, uh, and then the, the two siblings will be protected because they can hit the drum whenever they hear anything. The other demons that he can smell, um, the smell's kind of dissipating because the other two have already taken care of them, so there's only this one demon left. Um, when he finds the Suzumi demon, he discovers that he was part of the lower moon six in the 12 uh, Kizuki. And um, he wants to reclaim his number six spot that he had revoked from him. But because Tanjiro was trained in water, water can take any form. Um, and yeah, so there we go. <laughs> Episode 13 is something more important than life. Tanjiro fights with all of his master and learns to adapt to the ever-changing environment and to his injuries. In, his, uh, in the end, he gains respect for the Tsuzumi demon's power, but can't forgive his killings. He beheads him, collects a blood sample, um, and discovers he was actually a pretty good writer back in the day. And you get to see some backstory on the demon and why he does what he does um, and acted the way that he did. Uh, you kind of end up feeling a little bit sorry for the demon towards the end of it, which happens frequently throughout this show. They make you feel sorry for the demons. Tanjiro gathers the children, runs outside where he can encounters uh, Zenitsu shielding the box with which uh, Nezuko is inside um, from the boar, who is actually revealed to be the number five survivor from the trials, the one that we didn't get to see. 
and he made Tenjiro real mad. And right at this point, you think he's an asshole. You hate him. You do not like him. You understand why he is the way that he is later. But at this point, you just think he's a big old dick. <laughs> and then I put Sensu. It's pretty cool for a crybaby. <laughs> and yeah, that's the end of episode 13. Episode 14, uh, the house of the Wisteria family crest. They bury the dead after Tenjiro headbutts the fuck out of the boar. Um, and then they take the kids home. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, ten, uh, Zensu was protecting the box because he said that it was, like, something more important than his life. And then while they're at the Wisteria family, uh, the house of the Wisteria family crest, they find out, they ask him, confront him, why he's traveling with a demon. And then hilarity ensues when, uh, they discover that, uh, the demon is his very cute sister. And Zensu <laughs> falls in love. Yes, they end up resting up in the Wisteria family home, which is basically like a safe house for demon slayers, uh, because many moons ago, their family was saved by demon slayers, and ever since, they give like free board and help and everything to any demon slayers that they come across. And it's just like a comedic relief episode after all of the crap that you just experienced. Episode 15 is Mount uh, Natogumi. (laughs) Natogumi? Everyone is healed, so they go to Spider Mountain, and there are a bunch of demon slayers already on the mountain that have already been sent to this mission, and so then when they get there, they discover that, like, they've a load of them have already been slaughtered by this spider family. Zensu decides that he is going to stay outside of the, the mountain. He wants nothing to do with all that crap. So um, Tanjiro, with the box of, uh, with Nezuko in, and uh, the boar go into the mountain to be back up for all of the guys that are already there. But a bunch of these demon hunters have already been slaughtered. And not only have they been slaughtered, their bodies are actually attached to the cobwebs of these spiders and now being used as puppets to attack each other with their web. The boar is attempting to learn more about human interaction because we find out a little bit more about him. The fact that he was raised, well, wasn't raised, he grew up on the mountains completely alone, so has zero idea about human interaction and is trying to piece together why people say things they do. And it's kind of really sweet. And this is where you understand why he attacked the way that he did earlier um, with the whole Nezuko Zensu situation, just because he didn't understand why people would interact with each other the way that they did, because he's had like zero human interaction up until this point. But then Zenitsu ends up running inside because he realizes that Tanjiro took Nezuko inside and he's like, how could you take a a girl in there, um, even if she is a demon? Um, And so he runs into the forest as well to meet them. We also get to see Gyu again and this butterfly lady because the boss uh, releases the big guns to go help out with this fighting arc. (laughs) Um, So yeah, then episode 16 is letting someone else go first. Um, One unpuppeted member of the Demon Slayers who were already on the mountain plucks up the courage to help. So the boar and Tanjiro run further ahead as Inosuke has located the puppeteer with the wild man's powers, with his wild man powers. So he is a wild man sword user. I don't know. Like he, his ability is just being really connected with nature. So his, all of his like, powers are like um spatial awareness uh things like that you know um 
yeah, he's just a wild man. Think of him as a wild man. And uh, so he runs into the more, uh, they run into more and more difficult puppets the closer they get to the puppeteer. Um, but uh, they still don't try to harm any of their fellow demon slayers because some of these guys are alive, some of them are dead that are being these puppets. And they're trying not to harm them as best as they can. The spider demon controlling them is actually visited by her son, who tells her that he will tell dad if she doesn't finish it quickly. She panics and kills all of her human puppets and starts using a giant headless demon puppet. Um, The duo start working properly together as a team and slice it to pieces with Tanjiro as the lead. Uh, Tanjiro gets thrown into the air by the boar after they destroy the puppets so that he can kill the mother spider demon from an aerial attack. Um, He kills her with mercy as she embraces death as a release from the father demon spider's abuse, or so you believe at this point. Um, She is, she reveals before, before she finally dies that a member of the 12 Kazuki is in, is on the mountain. Um, And uh, Zensu is still wandering the forest um, from his late start, but it looks like something has found him. And you're left on another cliffhanger. <laughs> Episode 17. You must master a single thing. The thing that found Zensu was a spider with a human head, head attached. Uh, lovely. The, <laughs> he was bitten by a poison spider. And the demon spider who controls them is excited to turn him into a spider. After lots of crying and groveling, Zensu faints uh, and reveals his true power. Um, he was struck with lightning once as a kid, which changed his hair colour and made him able to perform one of the eight lightning breathing techniques, which he had mastered, um, which he has mastered, but only when he's asleep. His gramps never actually gave up on him and was this like really high up ranking guy in the Demon Slayers when he was at the height of his career. Uh, but he was the only one that ever had any faith in Zensu's abilities. Um, and he ends up being able to defeat the spider um, and has some actual memory remaining of the situation, which he didn't have previously. So um, maybe we'll get to see him be more cool while he's awake. We'll see. Uh, but the poison is absolutely taking its toll on him. Um, and uh, the sparrow goes to fly to find help. But he is not looking good, despite the fact that he managed to kill the demon. The poison is still running through his veins. Um, and it's really not looking good for him. Tenjiro and Inosuke have bumped into the daughter spider demon um, and the father spider demon. And that is the end of episode 17. Episode 18, A Forged Bond. Oh, bitch boy, my dude, is what I put to start with this. (laughs) That was probably Um, my favorite bit of conversation out of the whole thing. Right, yeah. I just said about that. I was like, oh, bitch boy, my dude. Oh, my God. Um, Jeez. So the father spider demon is tough, like really tough. They can't physically slice through him, uh, through his chunky boy flesh. That's what I put in my notes. They can't slice through his... Chunky boy flesh. They can't slice through his chunky boy flesh. Uh, Inosuke is having some trouble because of the injuries that he sustained during the previous fight with the puppets. Um, and Tanjiro gets yeeted across the forest, um, leaving injured um, Inosuke with his... Uh, skin-shedding daddy spider. <laughs> yep. Uh, can you tell that this was like 3am at this point? So my notes are just disintegrating into madness. Um, <laughs> I'm pleased. 
Zentz is found by the reinforcement butterfly woman, but he's in rough shape. Tenjiro bumps into some casual spider demon sibling squabbling, um, and the idiot and an idiot blows chunks, or rather becomes chunks. Um, yeah, I'll leave that one like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Tanjiro says their bond was forged, and that the brothers uh, and that the the sibling spiders are fake siblings because uh, their relationship is based on fear rather than mutual trust and respect. The brother spider ain't happy. Um, but this just seems chill. Um, <laughs> Gyu is back, baby, um, and he makes easy work of Papa Spides. Uh, of, yeah, he makes easy work of Papa Spides. Cash. <laughs> That's those are my notes. Tanjiro goes to slice the thread, um, but his sword gets sliced instead. Dun dun dun. End of episode eighteen. Episode 19. Uh, Hinokami! Fuck, dude. First note. Yep, big fuck. <laughs> Second note. Seriously, that was awesome. <laughs> Third note. Best episode so far. Fourth note. Seriously awesome. <laughs> so, episode 19's sick. Like, watch this anime just for episode 19. Or just watch it for the whole, like, mountaintop arc in general. Yeah, but episode 19's legit. Because the episode before this, episode 18... It's sick, too. ...is where you see the tree fall on... uh, Yeah. Yeah. Spider Otosan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that water animation. Oh, it looks real. Oh, my God. Yeah, the water animation in episode 18. Okay, so I was talking to Brad about this on the stream yesterday. Um, So there's a bit in episode 18 where they're, they're fighting with the daddy spider... And this tree gets cut down and lands on top of the spider and he gets squashed. And he's like bubbling from under the water as like the air is seeping out. And that animation of those bubbly watery bits, best animation of the whole anime. Like that, I mean, how long was it? Three seconds? And like that water must have taken them so long. Like that, I thought it was real. Like, oh boy, so good. Oh, yeah, and this is a weekly anime. Like, I don't think this shit missed a beat of an upload the entire time it was coming out. Yeah. And just in general, like, whenever the tree falls and the waves and ripples that it creates, I was stunned both times I watched this. Like, that is probably the best animation I've ever seen in anything. Yeah. Like, it was, like, whenever Blue said it looked real, it looked real. Like, that was top-notch animation and off of a day or off of a weekly anime off of a studio that hasn't done that many big titles outside of fate and demon slayer Mm -hmm. my god yeah honestly it's amazing it's amazing stunning (laughs) now back to your regularly scheduled programming Mm. uh Zensu is given the antidote by Butterfly Woman, who brought along a healing group to recover any survivors. Gyu ties the boar, <laughs> the boar in a sca- uh, up in a tree because he refuses to realize how serious his injuries are. And he gets all sad because he realizes that maybe he's not as strong as he thinks that he is. Uh, the rest of the episode is the fight between Tanjiro and Spider number five, who is the fifth lower uh, moon dude. That's what I put in my notes. Fifth lower moon dude. His sword is broken near the hilt. He has probably about six inches worth of sword left. Uh, Probably, something like that. Yeah, about six inches worth of sword left. Um, and the rest of it is gone. 
And uh, the demon's neck is thicker and stronger than any thread um, that the broken uh, that broke the sword in the first place. Um, the brother is about to kill Tondro when Nezuko jumps out from inside her box, taking the blow for him. The demon is moved by the sibling duo, believing that that is a true bond, and he wants Nezuko. He asks Tandro for her in exchange for his life and gets grumpy when he's denied. He slashes up his sister and sends her off somewhere to kill some folks. So, like, right now there's four, two sibling duos. Spider sibling duo, Tandro and Nezuko. The spider sibling, the brother, is actually, like, they think it's the dad spider that is um, the part of the, the Twelve, but it's not. It's actually him. And he is manipulating all of the other spiders to become part of his family because he wants to feel a bond. Um, but of course he's making a bond out of fear. And so he's like, I want Nezuko. I'm going to make her my sister. I'm going to make her into the the part of my group. She's going to be my bond. Because basically, yeah, he wants people that will sacrifice himself for him um, is what he wants. And he believes that family is the only people that will do that. So he's going to make his artificial family so that he can have people that will sacrifice himself for him. And when he sees that Nezuko is about to do just that, he wants her. And yeah, so then he sends off his sister. Spider sister goes off because, yeah, he was punishing her when Tanjiro kind of like interrupted their party uh, and sends her off to go and kill some folks. The string, he strings Nezuko in the trees, in the canopy above the trees and like makes her bleed and fall unconscious because she scratched him. Like he grabs her and like, holds her from behind and she lashes out and scratches him and as punishment he strings her up in the trees and yeah basically like pulls his really thin cords um around her body so it slices into her flesh uh because he wants her under the bond of fear Tanjiro refuses to give her up and to give up in general and uses everything he has in his water breathing arsenal um, when he, uh, and he's like fighting as best as he can throughout this. This fight scene is legitimately insane. Like I can't describe it in a way that makes it sound as cool as it is. Um, but he ends up being surrounded by a blood art powered thread. So each, like I said before, each demon has like a, a blood art power. Um, so he could increase the power of his thread because um, he was just using like regular thread that was like freaking strong. Like his regular thread was what sliced Tanjiro's sword in half but he boosts up his level of thread because Tanjiro is able to kind of sort of deal with it with his breathing uh, water breathing arsenal because of the rotation he's gathering rotation of sword and is able to slice through the regular threads so this guy ups his power to his blood art his demon blood art thread and he's about to cage um Tanjiro in and uh, he's about to die when he has a flashback to his childhood with his father dancing despite his frail, frail body for hours on end in the cold snow, all thanks to the fire-breathing technique, Kagura. His father was also the original owner of the earrings that he wears now, uh, which was the original reason why he was targeted when he met the original demon earlier. Tanjiro combines the water-breathing and fire-breathing techniques to slice through the blood threads, um, gathering power via rotation as he barrels towards the demon. He knows he can't defend the last attack and has to bear it just to kill him so he has any chance of saving Nezuko. 
Nezuko wakes from the treetops after her mother calls for her from the afterlife to save Tanjiro. And she uses, for the first time, her blood demon arc power to burst the threads that were about to hit Tanjiro. And Tanjiro beheads number five. Sibling bond power. Fucking cool. That's the end of the episode. Not gonna lie. Like, that whole, like, last bit and fight scene and the song that they played for it. Oh my god, it's so good. Like, it gave me chills. Like, it was, oh, so good. I watched that scene twice through because I just, the first time I, like, I couldn't get the notes that I needed for it. So, yeah, I watched it twice through. I was going to say, that was also, like, I think the point where you stopped taking notes. I think you said you stopped taking them at, like, the end of episode 16 and just kept watching from there. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I I'd stopped, like, my notes from here, you'll see, are kind of nowhere near as good as my notes have been previously. Because after I got to that point, I was just like, this is, I'm, I can't take notes right now i just have to watch i have to watch i have to watch um so yeah from here on out my notes were kind of taken after the fact a little bit afterwards where i was just jotting down the main kind of thing but yeah majority of my notes now were taken after just binging the rest of the anime because my dude fucking cool um episode 20 is called pretend family dude wasn't actually dead what biggest heartbreak in anime ever i thought he'd kill them but then i'm also kind of glad that he didn't and i'll get into that in a bit but yeah let me let me just say like you got to watch this right after the fact i know could you imagine having to wait a week i can't believe you did uh yeah so i got that and the episode ended and then the next episode dude is back and i'm like what what <laughs> now granted it was genius yeah like now granted the way dude did it was genius with him cutting off his own head right before tanjiro did it yeah like yeah. i was like i was pissed that he was still alive because i waited a week for this episode right for it to be like happy go lucky they've all it's all over and then it isn't yeah but then you like he starts talking about it i'm like oh Oh, you big smart. You yeah. really are in the 12. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- that's the thing. That's the reason why I am actually really happy that he didn't kill him is because, like, Tanjiro is the lowest rank of Demon Slayer. He hasn't been a Demon Slayer for very long, and he's not very powerful. And it looks like he's so powerful, but in comparison, he's just not. So to have him be able to kill... uh lower moon six demon this early on in the game even though it's not really this early on in the game because you've been training for like three years at this point but like it it wouldn't be realistic i know i'm talking about demons it wouldn't be realistic but you know like it's like here's the thing though um tamioka slaying him as easily as he did even though he is a hashira so don't get me wrong Mm. but the fact that he, like, it was simple. Easy. Yeah. Yeah, like, it was too easy to the point to where I I realized they did it to make Tanjiro look at it as, like, the vast power difference between them. Mm-hmm. But he made it look way too easy. Mm-hmm. But if you also think about the fact that, like, at that point, the demon had already gone through so much, he was probably pretty low on power by that point, too. Like, if he was facing him right at the beginning, I don't think it would have been that easy for you. Well, no, because, like, he hadn't even broken out, like, his strongest demon art yet, because he uh, even... Oh, yeah, 
Okay. Because yeah. he actually tried to break it out, and yet he just cut right through it like it was absolutely nothing. Yeah, that's true. It's just like, uh. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but yeah, anyway, so Gyu comes out of nowhere in the last minute and saves Tanjiro, uh, and legitimately one swipe, Jimin dead. Um, like, an, it's nothing. Um, and so, um, Tanjiro completely collapsed from exhaustion at this point. He used everything he had in his tank. Um, Nezuko is on the ground, like, in, like, asleep. She's unconscious. And Tanjiro is, like, crawling towards his sister, and Gyu just comes out of nowhere and just like, um, easy peasy and the the and then the sister the blood the spider sister that we saw get sent off um gets a big moment in this episode of learning about the history of the spider family and the reason why she's a member of the spider family and her interaction with another sibling in the spider family and but she gets finished off by the butterfly woman who specializes in poisons and this is where you find out that the wisteria flower can actually kill demons when used into a poison. So there are actually two ways to kill demons, the wisteria flower poison and the sun, which is put into the blade of the sword. So that's why they can kill them with swords, because of the sun sword. But Butterfly Woman's sword is legit. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like this like really, really, really thin stick, I guess, metal stick. And then right at the very <clears throat> end is just a tiny blade. Think of a katana. But it's cut into like a fish hook style mm-hmm. look. And that's essentially it. And Dora's just like, that's really cool. Now, granted, she could have just used the rapier because that's essentially what it was. Mm. And that's how she used it. Mm-hmm. But I'm fine with it. It was, uh, it was yeah. legit. It was, it's definitely the coolest look. Well, I can't say it's the coolest looking sword because the Nitsu sword is awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. I like the way to how it's like lightning bolt engraved. It's not just yellow, like a normal sword it's lightning bolt engraved mm-hmm. yeah. where i thought that was cool but also like i really like how everybody's sword is like individual to themselves except for in this case who he made himself by carving like serrated teeth into it yeah he just took a rock and chunked out some some sections of his he dual weeds dual wields <laughs> and yeah he he took a rock and chunked out some sections because he likes I guess they kind of look like saw teeth, but bigger. Yeah, and like he's just like brute force, like beat the shit out of anything and everything. There's a meme that I'm probably gonna have to post on the Instagram just to make like make it make sense. But he is like brute force, headbutt, beat the shit out of anything and everything type yeah. situation. Yeah, he is a full wild man. Oh yeah. And oh yeah, uh, but Gyu. So uh, if we yeah, so Tanjiro has ten water breathing techniques. Gyu used water breathing. 11 to finish off spider dude which tanjiro has never even heard of so yeah gyu's next level but i put that in there as oh well. here's a thought because mm-hmm. this struck me whenever i was watching it through this time and maybe it's just because i'm fresh off of binging the shit out of my hero so the lightning breathing technique only has six forms mm-hmm. water breathing had 10 until Kamioka. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you think the, like, elemental techniques are similar to One for All in that they get stronger and are added to as they're passed down? Hmm. Like, everybody develops their own style? Interesting. I hadn't thought of that. Um, I definitely think that there is more to be discovered with them. 
like that they're not fully fleshed out and that's why Gyu is able to to I guess make water breathing 11 we don't know if he made it or if he learned it somewhere in my mind he made it well because Urokodaki like taught Tanjiro all the forms that he had mm-hmm. and Urokodaki was the water breathing uh Hashira before Tamioka. Yeah, Hashira is the highest rank of the um, Demon Slayers, by the way. I never actually mentioned that. Minus who we'll meet later. Yeah, the master. Which I'm excited to discuss theories with you because I'm curious. Anyway. Mm. So, like, I'm like, that thought had crossed my mind whenever Tanjiro was just like, what? There's an 11th form? What is this? Yeah. Yeah, I do definitely think that there is more to be discovered or you can create your own breathing technique once you have, like, mastered them or something as you go. But, uh, yeah, I think it's just another thing of determining that Gyo is so powerful that he is either at the ability to unlock secrets or at the ability to create new breathing techniques. Yeah, because this one was completely unlike any of the other mm-hmm. techniques. Like, it was it was the most chill out of all of them. Yeah. But it was, like, elegant and graceful and cool as shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then, that is episode 22. It's just a lot of background on Spider Family. Episode 21 is Against Corp Rules. Nezko nearly gets slaughtered by Butterfly Lady... Um, and her younger sister, question mark? No, I think she is just someone that Butterfly Lady trained. Yeah, yeah. I, at the time, I thought younger sister, but it is explained later on that they aren't actually blood relation. But they but, kind of are in... Well, they're not blood relation, but they kind of are in dynamic sisters. Yeah, but let me just say, Chibi Nezuko, most adorable shit ever (laughs) yeah you never okay so nezuko inside the box she can change her size that's one of her blood demon arts um which i guess okay so that's probably her first demon art because as you see that in episode one she can change her size um so to get into the box for uh uh him to carry um she shrinks herself down and uh we never actually get to see that until this episode where you get to see her like in her small form it's funny. And it's, oh, it's so cute. It's really cute. And so, okay, so basically, the demon corporation's rules are all demons must be slaughtered. So um, when they discover that Tanjiro is protect- protecting Nezuko, they're like, well, uh, we're just going to kill Nezuko. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. Um, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, they're going to kill Nezuko, and then Gyu actually remembers Tanjiro and Nezuko. You have to remember this is like two and a half years ago at this point. And so he remembers uh, Tanjiro and Nezuko, and um, he protects them and stands in front of them. And uh, this is when uh, a bird comes in and instructs them to bring the duo back to headquarters. And that's kind of episode 21. It's a lot of cleanup crew. It's a lot of um, little bits of humor thrown in um, and just establishing this rule that Nezuko should be dead. Tanjiro's breaking the rules. Gyu's backing them up. And they're now wanting to be seen at, at headquarters. Episode 22 is Master of the Mansion. The trial at the manor is fucked. They want to kill the siblings. They want to kill Tanjiro as well because he broke the rules. 
But uh, yeah, so we're now surrounded by all of the top demon slayers, um, the nine top demon slayers. And they all have different opinions. They all have wild characters. We're introduced to nine more people. Uh, well, technically, seven more people all of a sudden. Um, and it's a lot. Um, and uh, they're all like, we should kill them. We shouldn't kill them. Beat them up. Uh, it's intense. And then the master comes out. And he is an interesting character. He is... Uh, I believe he's blind, although it's never fully established, but the way that his mannerisms are, you believe that he's blind. And he has scars covering the entire upper half of his head. They, to me, look like burn scars. I don't know. This show and scars are... It's intriguing. Yeah, because they didn't look like what Tanjiro had to begin with, because Tanjiro's scar changes after the... Uh, I think it's after the the final selection um, because mm-hmm. he's has a like a burn scar I think from his on his forehead from when he was very little. But in his flashbacks to his very very childhood days, he doesn't have the the mark, so it's not a birthmark. But then when he gets a bit older, you see that both him and his dad have the same kind of burn scar on his forehead, which makes me think that it might have been like a family ritual for firstborn son or something, um, because none of his other siblings had it. Except for him and his dad. So it makes me think that it's like a family ritual tradition marking of the fire family that he grew up in. But then after uh, uh, some battle fairly early on, his scar changes to then be more like, uh, I don't know how to describe it. Um, I don't know. I don't know. His scar changes. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how to describe it. But yeah. Um, so I, I, it looks to me like it would be a burn scar or maybe a poison, like an acid scar because it's, but it's not, yeah, it's not the same from what, um, Tanjiro had as a kid. So that's, that makes me think that it's more like an acid burn scar. I don't know though. And so the master brings out this letter, um, that he has read, um, that, uh, basically says that if Nezuko ever attacks a human, Tanjiro, Gyu, and the old man who trained them will commit seppuku, uh, seppuku for her attacks. So they will all kill themselves um, if she attacks anyone to show their faith in her. Um, and it's just basically like establishing characters, people getting angry at each other, people not believing that she won't attack humans. And that's kind of the episode. Um, episode 23 is... Uh, Hashira, uh, Hashira meeting, and Hashira is the highest rank people. Um, <laughs> Nezuko proves that she won't attack humans by not going after Scarface um, after he stabbed her three times um, and then cut his arm, waving the blood in front of of her face. Uh, it's just basically like, here's the blood. Um, you want it. You know you want it. You've been stabbed, so you're low on energy, so you know that you need the human flesh. Come at me, bro. And um, she doesn't. She doesn't attack him because we love Nezuko. She's great. Kawaii. <laughs> Kawaii. And we are also properly introduced to the Hashira. And Tanjiro is reunited. Uh, yeah, we're probably introduced to Hashira. So I did write down all of their names. And they are all kind of of their own element. So our butterfly girl is actually all insects. Um, Shinobu uh, Kocho? Sure. Um, 
Uh, she's important. Um, then we have Scarface, who's the dude who tried to, like, hurt... Um, uh, Nezuko? Nezuko, thank you. Who is uh, Shinazugawa uh, Sonami? Sure. Um, he's a dick. We don't like him. Um, we have Elbows, who tried to, like, elbow Tanjiro and was, like, <laughs> digging his elbow in his back. And we don't like him. Um, he's Igoro. Um, and then we have the fire dude, um, Rengoku, who I think is going to be pretty important later on. I think he's going to be the main focal point of the film, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And there's nine of them in total, each of them having their own element. And each of them are pretty weird characters. But anyway, so Tanjiro is whisked away from um, the Hashira meeting, because they're not going to have a private meeting about the situation now that the Tanjiro trial is dealt with. Because, yeah, they they see that Nezuko isn't going to attack a human. They decide to give her a chance just because the situation is very unfamiliar and weird. And Tanjiro has this strange connection with uh, Kibutsuji, and they want to explore that more. Um... So yeah, they need them alive to be able to do that. So then uh, Tanjiro is reunited with the boar and Zenitsu at the Butterfly Manor. Um, and the boar isn't feeling too well mentally after the realization that maybe he isn't as strong as he thinks he is. Um, Zenitsu is still recovering his limbs because they kind of got turned into spider a bit. Um, and Nezuko goes to sleep to start recovering again. The demon incidents are increasing. The demon slayers are, that are joining them are weaker. And... Um, the power dynamic is shifting between the demons and the demon slayers. Um, Tanjiro, though, has the power to draw in the 12 Kazuki because of this unknown connection to Kibutsuji. And that's episode 23. Episode 24, Rehabilitation Training. And this is where I'm saying that after um, episode 20, um, it stops being this season to me and starts being set up for the movie in the next season. Um, because, yeah, I feel like this arc ended in episode 20, and then episode 21 onwards is set up and back to, like, stage one of training and rehabilitation and dynamic and world building for the next section of story. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can I can kind of see that, because mm -hmm. I think the arc definitely ended at the end of nineteen. Or mm -hmm. 20, whenever 20. the fight on the mountain yeah. is over. Yeah. <clears throat> or maybe even after the meeting, I guess. Yeah. Because they're like, they're handling that whole situation. And then filler, recovery arc. And then I think truly 25 and 26 are set up for the film. Yeah. Because the film, if I'm not mistaken, is canon. And then whenever they continue the show on past that is where they will... Uh, set up season two. It's going to take place right after the film. Yeah, that makes sense. So this is kind of setting up for the film now. So yeah, 25, uh, 24 is rehabilitation training. Um, Zentsu, this is a lot of comedy in here, by the way. The, these episodes are packed with comedy after all of the intensity that we experienced on the mountain. So this is where I'm saying like, I'm not going to do justice to the comedy that goes throughout this, this series. Um, you'll have to watch it to experience it because I don't even cover any of it throughout all of these notes. Zensu hates taking the medicine, um, but the boar and Tanjiro start training to get stronger, but are beaten over and over again by girls that are younger than them. 
um, and that are training them and their egos can't handle it. Um, but they're not at their full power. They are still recovering. Um, but even then they're not doing very well at these girls. Um, and the trio of girls is adorable. Um, but they stretch the fuck out of them. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Those dudes end up real flexible. I mean, the boar was flexible anyways, but they end up real flexible. Oh yeah. Cause he seemed to be having the worst time at all of them and he was the most flexible. I know, right? Zentsu ends up recovering enough to be able to join them for training. And Tandro ends up discovering that the butterfly girl that he went to the final selections with um, is actually doing total concentration breathing all day, 24 hours a day. Uh, Canel. <laughs> I'm so bad at saying her name. And... Uh, so yeah, he um, makes it his mission to learn how to do so too. So he wants to do, so total concentration breathing is the breathing that he does to be able to see the thread. Um, and uh, he has to be able to do that breathing to then be able to do the water breathing moves, techniques. Um, and she is just doing her total concentration breathing 24 hours a day, all day. So he is like not on her level whatsoever. So he makes it his mission to learn how to do it too. The other boys end up getting really discouraged very quickly, even though Zensu seemed to only go like once or twice. Um, and he had even yelled at them for complaining about being surrounded by girls. Um, but they get discouraged pretty quick and stop going to rehabilitation training. But Tanjiro keeps working hard. He wants to be able to explode a gourd. It's like a China like drinking flask. Um, and if he can expand his lung capacity to be able to blow it up, then he should be able to perform total concentration breathing all day. And then they bring out like this giant gourd and he has to try and explain that one too. Shinobu is, uh, who's the butterfly insect lady who was going to kill, like who's part of the uh, Hashira. Um, cause there's two, there's the sisters, the older one and the younger one, except they're not blood sisters. Um, but she tells him about her actual blood sister and we learn about some backstory about her cause she's really weird in the way that she interacts. Like she's very emotionally distant and this is where you find out why. Her sister was killed, uh, assumed by demons, although they never actually explain why, but she died in her, in her hands. Um, and she says that she can't be as forgiving as her sister was towards demons. She is angry at demons and she can't get over that level of um, forgiveness, I guess. Um, whereas, like, um, Tanjiro is able, like, throughout this whole thing, it is expressed over and over and over and over again how he is so kind and he feels sympathetic towards these demons. And she's like, I don't have that same level of sympathy for you, but my sister who was killed by demons did. So I want you to carry on my dream. And she kind of, like, passes on the torch to him. And that is episode 24. Episode 25 is Suguko at Tantano Tsuyuri. <laughs> Sorry about that. Not so good at names. <laughs> and we learn the backstory of Keno. Um, and basically, she was born into extreme poverty. So this is the younger sister of the duo. She was born into extreme poverty. And she mentally broke from the abuse and strain and everything like that to the point where she feels nothing. She feels no pain emotionally or physically. Um, she ended up being rescued by both of the two sisters, the older two sisters, when the other one was still alive. Um, but she has a hard time making decisions on her own. And Tanjiro keeps on training, big training montage. And the boys end up getting their act together, the other two, when they see that he can explode the small gourd um, just with his breath. 
Um, and so they decide that maybe, hey, we should join in on training. Otherwise, we're going to get left behind here. And then episode 26, the final episode of the show, is called New Mission. Tanjiro is, even with Kanao now, at all of the games in the training, he's able to, to keep up with her and everything. And he can now ma- maintain total, total concentration breathing 24-7. Uh, Kibutsuji has actually disbanded. This is a very gory episode, just as you know, uh, because there's a flashback to Kibutsuji, um, about a month prior, who disbanded the lower six, um, killing all except one, who he feeds more of its blood and sends after Tanjiro. Uh, it's gross. And that takes up a huge chunk of the episode, is their dynamic, him killing the others and setting up, um, the next villain for the next portion, who is like a leveled up lower six. Um, and, uh, the boss sends Tanjiro and the other two, um, on the infinite train mission where they're going to meet up with Rengoku, who is the fire, uh, he's the flame breathing, sorry, um, uh, Hiroshi, because it is established, I think in the episode prior, that flame breathing and fire breathing are two very different things. And Tanjiro's father notes fire breathing and Rengoku knows flame breathing, but there is no fire breathing Hirashi. So, theories. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so, yeah, they think it's going to be a good opportunity for them to go on the next mission. And also Tanjiro can then ask about fire versus flame breathing. Um, they end up getting new swords as well. Um, and then there is the coin flip, which is a really cute little segment where Tanjiro goes up to uh, Kanao, who is very emotionally distant, doesn't know how to make decisions, um, has snapped because of all of the emotional trauma that she's been through. Um, and she always like flips a coin whenever she needs to make decisions. Um, and so he takes the coin from her and he throws it way up into the air and he says, if it's heads, you're going to start making decisions on your own based on what you want to do. And he grabs the coin and he turns it over and it's heads. And she's like, uh, how did you make it be heads? You didn't cheat. I saw you. You didn't cheat. How did you make it be heads? And he was like, I was just going to keep throwing until it was heads. I didn't make it be heads. I was just going to keep throwing until it was. And um, it's really cute. And uh, you kind of see her start to develop a little bit of a crush on him, even though she doesn't really know what her emotions are. But the older sister before she died had said that she would gather her emotions when she fell in love with a man. And then they did a big old zoom in on him. So, I mean, are they trying to make us feel things for them? Because they're trying to make us feel things for them. I (laughs) mean... I don't know. The way that they did that makes me think that they're set up for something like that. But also, both of them have gone through so much trauma that (laughs) there is still so much to be done. You know, it's a very, very tiny hint. Not sure if it's going to go anywhere, but just saying they did that clip and then they zoomed in on him. So I don't (laughs) ship it until Canal gets pupils. (laughs) Canal gets pupils. Yeah. But then when she becomes more emotionally attached, then maybe she will. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe. Um, and... What? What? The mountain... What is this thing? 
oh, the mountain duo don't get trains. I understand what that means now. <laughs> I was like, I read that three times thinking, what the heck? Um, and it's because the Boar and Tanjiro end up having to go to the city and get on a train to go on the infinite train mission, but they don't understand that a train isn't a living creature because they both grew up <laughs> in the mountains. Um, Inosuke's reaction to the train is by far the best thing that I've ever seen. <laughs> Very funny. Do recommend you watch. And, um, yeah, Nezuko is still asleep. She's been asleep throughout the, this entire training montage as well. It seems like whenever there's a training montage, Nezuko sleeps. Uh, but that is her way of powering up as well. We have to remember that. So, like, he's, he's doing a training montage. She's asleep. But see her asleep as her training montage because that's how she how she powers up. Because she can't interact eat the human blood, right? So she's still asleep, but she's with Tanjiro. On his back in the box, she took him with. Uh, he took her with him, and that is the end of the show. Over already. <laughs> Over already. I know, right? Yata. Yata. <laughs> but yeah, I want to know your theories. So, and it's maybe potentially far fetched. I don't know. However, okay. So, what if? The master was initially a Hashira, and Tanjiro's mm-hmm. dad was the master, and he got mm-hmm. killed. And in the process, the master also got, like, burned or... Because this dude has a legitimate vendetta with Kibutsuji. Yes. And, like, everybody's made it out like Tanjiro is the heir to this great, incredible power that he hasn't been able to master yet. Yeah. So that was kind of a thought I had of, hmm, okay. I I was kind of along the same lines of you. I was thinking that maybe they're brothers. Because Tanjiro, the one thing he says about the master is that his voice is really soothing. And to me, that makes me think that that kind of resonates with him. And so I was like, well, maybe it sounds like his dad's voice. Brothers. M- maybe? 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 So, I don't um, know. I'm not 100% certain. No, I have no clue either. Because, like, my brain even went to, it's his dad. His dad had a burn. Like, like, because I don't know. Like, <laughs> there, it's, there's so many questions. There's so many theories. But I definitely think that his dad is someone important because of the earrings. The fact that um, Kibutsuji had met someone wearing those earrings and it seemed like that person downed him, like he was on the ground, and that person was standing over him. Mm-hmm. So that person was heckin' powerful. His dad had a very weak body, and it was never established why his dad was so weak all throughout their childhood. They live in the middle of nowhere in the mountains, and then he he just has this breathing technique that he casually teaches to his kid just for fun. And he even talks about in the breathing technique, he's like, whenever you do it, like, you can literally do anything forever. Yeah. Like, it's so you never get exhausted, and yet his dad is extremely frail. Yeah. So it's like his dad can't technically use it all the time. So again, that's another one of those sayings to where I get all my vibes from my hero. Yeah. In that, like, this thing is all powerful, but yet, for some reason, I feel like it might potentially take a toll. Yeah. By the way, to my hero fans, if you haven't seen all the way through it, I apologize. <laughs> and I feel bad, like, comparing the two, but they're both shonen. Yeah. But they're both, in my opinion, shonen done right. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree. Um, 
I have so many theories. It's like hard to like even get my brain around them. I definitely think that the earrings being passed down, it seemed like there were many generations of that earrings, those earrings being passed down. And so I'm like, so is he part of this long bloodline of, of, the fire breathers and that's why the flame breathers won't claim that they're fire breathers because the flame breathers are like they have such respect for the fire tribe that died out or something and that's because it's mentioned a couple of times that flame breathers get really angry when you call them fire breathers they have to be distinct like two distinct things and so it's like well were they enemies were they pals are there, is there a level of respect there? Like, what what is this dynamic between the flame breathers and the fire breathers? Mm. And why is it that Tanjiro is now the only one, seemingly, that has this fire breathing technique? And only one. He only has one because his dad only ever taught him one. Mm-hmm. But then also Nezuko. Right. Yeah. Because her her level of power and also because in the letter urukodaki mentioned something about like kibutsuchi realizing that he fucked up yeah. somewhere with nezuko yeah and did he fuck up because of the fact that she was part of that bloodline and he shouldn't have turned a demon in that bloodline yeah because how powerful she is literally doesn't make sense no and the fact that she doesn't like they say before they, they established that any demon that didn't consume blood for i think it was like two months prior had gone completely insane and like destroyed villages before because they were so starved of blood and yet at this point it's been like three years and she hasn't had a drop of blood Mm -hmm. and she sleeps and no other demon sleeps and not only that but canal who has like mastered total concentration breathing Mm -hmm. that we find out in episode 24 whenever she was trying to hunt down nezuko in the forest and was legitimately trying to kill nezuko could not even touch her. <laughs> yeah. To where it's just like, I'd- And Nezuko by that point had already been severely injured, so her her stores of, of like, ability had really been, like, hindered by that point. And she had even used her, like, blood demon art at that point, too. And she'd lost a lot- of, Yeah, she'd lost a lot- Because this is, like, after she'd been strung up in the canopy of the trees for, like, an episode. Yeah, ne- Nezuko just shrunk and ran around and was doing it effortlessly, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Like, I really want to read the manga. Me too. Just because I can't wait. I don't want to wait until October. <laughs> just want to know what happens next. So, I'm, I'm probably about to pull a, uh, <laughs> probably about to pull an Attack on Titan and just binge the entire manga. Yeah, I think I'm also going to do the same. I uh, need to go to the secondhand bookshop and see if they have them there because our main bookshop still isn't open yet, but our secondhand one is. Um, so I'm like, does anybody, has anybody been foolish enough to get rid of this series? Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to see. But they tend to have a lot of manga there, so we'll see. Yeah. So, rating. What do you give it? Oh, God. Um, oh, God. Okay, geez. Um, it's so good. Uh, nine. I agree. Nine out of ten. Wholeheartedly. Yeah. Like, I- yeah. I kind of battled with myself back and forth on whether to give it eight and a half or a nine. Mm-hmm. But I just really had to settle on nine because I have a few complaints, but those complaints are very minute and minuscule compared to overall, like how much I thoroughly and royally, I, I, I enjoyed this show so much and I enjoyed it so much more the second time around, just being able to actually binge it from start to finish mm-hmm. to where it's just, 
it's so good. It's so good. It was completely impossible for me to stop watching, um, which is a fantastic sign for a show. Mm-hmm. And minimal cringe. That's great. I think there was only one part I had to skip through. Um, See, <laughs> I'm assuming it was something to do with Zenitsu, <laughs> if I uh, had to guess. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I, I never found any of it cringe because I'm like, that's, that's just his character. You know who he reminds me of? Mm-hmm. Mineta from My Hero, the dude with mm-hmm. the purple balls on his head. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dude, yeah. They could be siblings. They really could. Because <laughs> yeah. their whole, like, character arc and everything is just so similar in how they act. I really, really want to see him be a badass while awake in the movie. I hope that he does. Yeah. But also, like, his Sparrow is probably one of the star characters from the show. His Sparrow is best boy. (laughs) Oh, without a doubt. Like, hands down, best boy of 2019. (laughs) Best boy of 2019. Chuntaro. Yeah. Chuntaro. Yeah. Chuntaro's best best power <laughs> every time i think of his name like i keep thinking of chun chun maru which is what megamine i think named kazuma sword <laughs> in, in <Kanazuma>. yeah. <laughs> so that's immediately where my brain goes i'm like no no chuntaro <laughs> chuntaro yeah no honestly that spar is amazing just his interpretation of what the sparrow says. Okay, can we also talk about the fact that tanjiro can speak to the sparrow despite the fact that the sparrow unlike the crows doesn't speak english or japanese but, yeah, <laughs> but he can still speak to the sparrow and understand it. Like, does he have a secret animal speaking ability that we just are completely overlooking? Like, maybe Tajiro's just a god, and we just maybe Tajiro's he can speak to the dead. He can speak to animals. He's got water breathing and fire breathing, which somehow doesn't just turn to like steam. Like, <laughs> also, let me just say, whenever Nezuko spoke in episode nineteen, I think is what started the chills. Because mm-hmm. it was the first time you've actually been able to see her, like, actually think. And so to mm-hmm. hear her voice, I think almost for the first time in the entire show. Yeah. Other than before she was demonized. Yeah. And so, which was episode one, and this was episode 19. So if you're watching it week to week, like I was. You completely forget. It was over four months of never having heard her speak. Mm-hmm. So you finally hear it, and it's like a glass-shattering moment of, oh my god, shit has gotten real. Yeah, yeah. But also, it makes me really want to see, like, the muzzle come off. hmm And, like, for her to, like, become that demon of, like, actually being able to speak and everything. Yeah. Because I almost, like, and again, this is harking back to the whole theory side, but I want her to be the one to take Kibutsuji down. Because they're building her up to be a second version mm-hmm. of Kibutsuji because the way that she acts and the ba- way that she's basically human, but mm-hmm. a demon at the same time. So that's why I almost see it as like Kibutsuji realizing that he fucked up. I definitely want her to have like, yeah, a moment where he's like, oh, geez, f- fuck. <laughs> but I, I think I still want Tanjiro to be the one who does the final blow. I don't know. Maybe I'm just too partial to Nezuko. Nezuko's great, but I find that she has this level of innocence that I want to kind of protect, and I don't want her to kill him so that she can maintain that. I feel like if she if she is the one to deal the final blow, she'll lose that that level of innocence that I, I just need to stay there. <laughs> you stay. You stay, stay. forever. <laughs> you stay, child. You're not allowed to grow. <laughs> stay. Good Nezuko. 
head pat. Good Nezuko. Although I will say, Nezuko, 10 out of 10, all the head pats. She can have all the head pats. <laughs> yeah, I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if after she, because I'm already deciding that she's going to become human again. Um, after she becomes human again, um, I wouldn't be surprised if she has no memory of any of this. Um, and that would be heartbreaking, but also a really good story dynamic moment bit. Just like she doesn't remember what life was like as a demon. Um, you see, here's the thing. I hope that she does keep her memories because I want her to become a demon slayer too. It would be sick to her. It would be sick for her to be, a, well, I mean, she already is a demon slayer as a demon, <clears throat> but like it would be sick for her to be able to retain some of her demon abilities. Because here's, I want her to have the first pink katana. Yeah, that's true. Because the theme of the kimono to like actually carry over into the katana because I feel like that's her color. Mm-hmm. So I feel like her and Tanjiro as a badass tag team would be amazing. Yeah, I definitely want to see them be a sibling duo that no one can defeat. The power of siblings. Yes, the power of yes, love. The power of love. Which is one of the h- Hashiri, right? There's a uh, Hashira is... Yeah, it's the pink-haired girl that's like... <laughs> Mitsuri Kanroji. Uh, all I remember is her just looking at everything and basically going, Sugoi, Sugoi, Sugoi. <laughs> Daisuke. That, that's literally it. Was yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I wonder what color her katana is. Oh, um, uh, the boars is blue. We find that out. Mm-hmm. He's got a blue, blue katana. And I'm assuming that Zensu's is yellow, but I didn't actually pay attention. Yeah, like every time he drew it, that's why I said it was, it was regular katana, or it was almost white, but it had mm-hmm. yellow like lightning bolts. Yeah, going okay, through yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was, it's probably the most badass katana out of the whole thing because it's. If I could get a replica of that, I would. Like I would spend the amount of money it would cost to get replica because it's badass looking. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Nezuko um, get a weapon of some sort. Because up until this this entire show, she's just been using her legs, basically. She uses her hands as well, but she's mainly a kicker. I, okay, they need to figure out a way to modify Nezuko's claws into one of the, like, steel swords. Like, that would be, that would be OP. Yeah, yeah, give her um, fingertip plates, like the the metal nails that you sometimes see mm-hmm. um, out of out of the, the steel with the... Wolverine brass knuckles. Wolverine brass knuckles. That would be sick. Like I would, I would be down for this. Please give it to me. <laughs> me too. Totally. I think that's everything. Unless you had any other theories. No, no. I think that basically covers it. Until I'm gonna. One thing that we have to talk about that you're gonna get really mad about me for. Oh, so <laughs> best OP of 2019. Hands disagree. Down. I disagree. Well, you're wrong. I thought the OP was meh. Like, how could you not get hyped? Okay, it took me. I it. <laughs> I did the math. It probably took me two hours longer to watch this show than you, because I never skipped the OP. I skipped it a few, fair few times. Yeah, the visuals. The visuals absolutely stunning. I a hundred percent give you the visuals stunning. The song. I thought it was quite generic. Yeah, you you're just wrong. Shoo. I was gonna say I can feel the anger. Just like oh, I, I am, I am seething right now. <laughs> I am. Well, actually, I knew this was coming. I knew we were gonna have this conversation, so I was fully prepared for it. But on stream, whenever you said that, I was, I was hot. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm just like, because I, 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 I was thinking like, 
oh, Brad's going on about this OP. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. And I just watched it and I was just like, I couldn't tell you what anime this OP was attached to if I heard it in like a lineup. If I was doing a competition, it was like, okay, match the OP with the anime. I I wouldn't be able to just make the distinction. Well, here's the other thing too, the timing, like the way they synced the O with or the actual song to the visuals for the visuals OP. Visuals are stunning. 100%. Yeah. Agreed. But yeah. the way they synced it to like the transition between scenes change mm-hmm. and everything for it, mm-hmm. it was spot on. Mm-hmm. Like whenever the beat drops going into the chorus and the way it shifts, like Yeah. I'll ah. give you that, definitely. I'll give you that. But the music meh. But yeah, so our mutual friend that's in Japan right now, I actually got her turned on to this artist because of that OP. Yeah. See, I'm just a weird one who preferred last week's OP. And yeah, last week's OP is what got part of the grade dropped, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, we have different music tastes. I guess Same so. Same anime tastes, different music tastes. And- <laughs> And it's odd because, like, whenever it comes to anime, we agree on so much. So much, yeah. But, um. So now I feel like I'm going to have to redeem myself with OPs and make us watch Tokyo Ghoul for my next pick. Just because that OP is, in my opinion, the best anime OP of all time. Because Unravel is just, oh, it's so good. I'll have to give it a listen and, uh. Yeah, I feel like. Because I I had something else in mind I wanted to cover for the next one, so I might just send you Unravel, just so you'll have to listen to it, and then let me know what you think. This is when we're going to, like, watch Gun Frontier for next week, and it's going to be the best OP that we've ever heard. <laughs> if it is, because I've never heard, it's, neither one of us has heard about this, this could turn into another Tonica situation. Of We randomly decided to cover something stupid, and it turns out to be one of the best things we've ever watched. I can't believe Tanaka was so lucky. Like, I just picked a <laughs> random thing. And we were like, okay, cool. And honestly, it's one of my favorite animes of all time. Yeah, like it. And not only that, it's our best podcast to date. Like, as far as stats go. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. it. I find that unbelievable because it's, it was the luckiest find I think we're ever going to have for this yeah. podcast. Because it was like, <laughs> whenever you started telling random. me about it. Like, I I stopped whenever you had said, like, okay, this is what we're going to go with. I kind of stopped. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to find this stupid or not. Because I was I was holding it to, like, your line April and your name standards. Because well, it- we had also just finished um, Daily Lives of High School Boys, which was we both found hilarious. And so it's like another comedy anime to go right after mm-hmm. it. But this, like, blew that one out of the water. Yeah, and again, mm-hmm. since it was also right after Your Line April, because this was the seventh one and Your Line April is number five. Mm-hmm. So that was still fresh in my mind, and I held it to that standard, and it very much delivered yeah. on it. So so we'll see. We'll see, Gun, Gun Frontier. You got a, a big shoes to fill. <laughs> I, I hope it's great. Like I, <laughs> I'm setting my expectations low, so I'm not disappointed with it. I hope it's stupid. If it's stupid, I'm down. And so the version of it I found is the dubbed version. And I feel like that's the only way we can possibly watch this because it is old Western. So I swear if they don't have over the top <laughs> Southern accents, I'm going to be so pissed. <laughs> you know, you girls going to watch it subbed, but I'm definitely going to check out the dubbed version to see those horrible accents. 
So yeah, I'm going to watch it dubbed so we can <laughs> we can compare. But I oh I hope it's terribly great. <laughs> I'm so down. I'm so down. But anyways, guys, I think that is where we are going to end today's podcast. Another long one. I think we are learning that three hours is probably about our average mark now. (laughs) I think it just depends on how long it is of what we watch, because especially these 20 or 26 episode ones to where there's so much to cover. Mm -hmm. Yeah, three hours is bare minimum. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. But I don't feel like we got on that many tangents on this one. So it could have been a whole hell of a lot longer if we had gotten off on a tangent like last week. Oh, boy, we'd had our longest episode to date. Yeah, last week we just, what happened to us? I I feel like we couldn't shut up last week. Last week we were nuts. But anyways... (laughs) let's wrap this up because we're gonna go on a tangent we're gonna say we didn't go on any tangents then go on a tangent in the last 30 seconds of the podcast go on a tangent about going on tangents because that's what we do oh sometimes i think about the fact that i'm thinking and it just fucks me up (laughs) (laughs) i don't i don't know how that was meant to come out or how that was meant to come across but it literally hit me as sometimes it fucks me up that i think about thinking <laughs> like that's how i took that and now i can't i can't anymore yeah that's kind of how i meant it <laughs> Are you okay <laughs> I don't know anymore. We have a website, bnbanime.com. It's amazing. It looks phenomenal. Go check it out. You can find links to all of our stuff there. Blue streams, Monday through Saturday, minus Wednesdays, because that's whenever we're supposed to record this, at twitch.tv forward slash blue lavender with an A. You can also find her on Instagram and Twitter at Blue Lavender STM again with an A because she's blue. <laughs> I'm Blue Lavender, not Ender. I will not end you. I will and you. I don't know what that means. <laughs> it's Leviosa, not Leviosa. You do it then if you're so clever. Go on, go on. <laughs> Wingardium Leviosa. And then she also runs an adorable little Instagram for Bean that I'm not going to fuck up, so I'm going to let you give the title for it. (laughs) It's the adorable Tilly Bean on Instagram. She is my golden retriever. She is just over a year old. She is adorable. I don't post on there often enough. Uh... But yeah, if you want to see some cute pup pictures, you can find them there. Brad-a-doodle-dandy also runs an adorable and hilarious Instagram for um, our mutual friend, Prickly the Cactus, um, at uh, the adorable prick. Hi. Hi. Did I get Tilly's Instagram handle right? Did I get Tilly's Instagram handle right? Nope, it's the best Tilly Bean. The best Tilly Bean. It's I got adorable from your adorable. That's why it was where I was. It's the best Tilly Bean. At the it's best okay. Tilly Bean. They're both adorable. They are both adorable. At the best Tilly Bean. Um, and then you can also find Brad um, on Twitch at Brad Carter Gaming and uh, Instagram himself at Brad Carter Gaming. We also have a shared Instagram and Twitter for the podcast at BNB Anime for both handles. Yes. Yes. Oh, and YouTube as well. There are podcast stuff happenings on YouTube. Yes, you can find the podcast at YouTube 
at BNB Anime, and you can also find our joint voiceover projects at BNB Projects. Yes. Uh, both of them are connected channels, so you can find one through the other <clears throat> um, if you need to do it that way, because I sometimes get lost on YouTube too, and then you end up looking at like worms digging holes for three hours. Yeah. Just me? Okay. Um. Well, I mean, just on that, I went down... I- Went down the dumbest fucking rabbit hole the other day on YouTube, and I can't remember what it was. Anyway, this is the end of the episode. No time to go off on tangents. Yeah, we will leave that one as a mystery for uh, next week. Maybe Brad will remember what where he went on his bunny rabbit trail hole. Nah, nah, fam. I don't think I want to. No, because I I think I ended on the Russian sleep experiment, and that's a that's a cover. No, nah, oh, fam. Yeah. I've watched that a fair few times as uh, well. Oh, I man. think we've all been there. <laughs> so, thank you all so much for listening. Blue and I greatly appreciate it. Y'all are absolutely the best. You can catch us next week for hopefully something that's going to be absolutely fucking hilarious and Gun Frontier. If it's not, you'll hear all about it. <laughs> but, yeah, thank y'all for listening. We greatly appreciate it. We'll catch y'all next week. Bye-bye. Bye!